Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I have run out of time. I have lost it all. So I can't work fast enough to catch up. I can't run fast enough to catch up. And the only thing that catches me up is doing my podcast. Uh, what a monologue. What a monologue. Oh, I'm getting chills. I'll say, I might watch it again tonight. Yeah, you'd love this movie. Uh, the the uh, Your criteria is so far up Yes, You can't see daylight. Well, you're making it sound very, like, mugsy. Yeah, right. I am uh, the last guy in the world you want to fuck with. Yeah, you want to pinch me, pinch me, but I ain't ever going to be pinched. <laughs> uh, what are you doing in your life that's so terrific? <laughs> the um, the IMDb Quotes page has the entirety of the, the, the adoption screenplay? agency. Oh, yeah, that's so good, It's the though. longest quote I've ever you're seen from on the IMDb. suburbs, yeah. right? There's right. that whole thing. You didn't grow up in a green 4x4. Is that what he says? <laughs> um, yeah, let me look at the I got some ABC-type information for you, lady. I was state-raised, and this is a dead place. Yeah. I related to that. Oh, my God. What about this one? I wear $150 slacks. Oh, I wear God. silk shirts. I wear $800 suits. I wear a gold watch. I wear a perfect D-flawless three-carat ring. I change cars like other guys change their fucking shoes. I'm a podcast. <sighs> I've been in prison, all right. I, that that is so good. God, if a man, if James Con yelled that at me, I would both break up with him and have an orgasm would, at the yeah, same time. I'd, come. I'd be like, "You, you're you're a problem," but also, holy shit, yeah, <laughs> you're revving my engine. You're making big profits from my work, my risk, my sweat, but that's oh. okay because I elected to make that deal. But now the deal is over. I want my podcast, and I am out. My money in twenty four hours, or I will. Wear, you will wear your podcast for a hat. You're, you're talking to me or someone else walking in this room you're marking time is what you are you're backing <laughs> off you're hiding out you're waiting for a bus that you hope never comes because you don't want to get in it anyway because you don't want to podcast anywhere okay oh, God, let's just let's just read the screenplay this is some of the best dialogue we've ever covered on this show yeah. and it, it makes me he is such an underrated dialogue guy like people sort of forget that well you know what's weird about uh, uh, this guy who we're talking about have mm -hmm. we set the, the timer Get that clock rolling, yeah, baby. Got a clock in the yeah, corner. Ben, I, purchase a clock. Ben, where's the, what's going on with the clock? Ben, where's the clock? You're getting I, tight with the clock. You trying to pinch this clock? I was sneaky and I took 10 minutes out. Oh. What? How'd you do that? Just to try and get you guys to be. No, but you see, we, we know. You think you were going to trick me into believing that we've, we've already been, been talking, talking for 13 minutes? minutes? Get out of here. Yes, I did. You're trying to pinch me? Yeah, I am. My money in one hour and 47 <laughs> minutes, so you will wear your ass for a hat. Okay, all right, all right. You don't have to started get aggressive. Back up. Started at two. I am not starting back up. Started at two. <laughs> no. Thief. Thief. Hello, everybody. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. That's right. It's a podcast about filmographies. Mm -hmm. Directors who get massive success uh, early on in their careers experience a series of blank checks. I switch the words experience and get. Fair enough. Make okay. whatever crazy passion projects they want. Yeah. Sure. Sometimes those checks clear mm. and sometimes they bounce, baby. And this is, of course, a mini series called The Cast of the Podhicans. I guess. I guess by default. All his other titles are like one word and they don't work. Yeah, I was kind of pitching you on uh, like doing one of his TV movies like uh, L.A. Takedown or the yeah. Jericho Mile. But even those aren't very good. Podcast Lateral. Podcast Lateral. Pod Lateral. Pod no, Lateral Cast. Pod Lateral, pod lateral cast, cast doesn't work. You'd have to pod be Podcast lateral, lateral. The answer is we're doing the cast of the Podhicans. I know. It's just annoying because it's like 
we're Mohican? It feels gonna, a little it ooh, feels a little ooh. dicey. But here's the alternate title for this miniseries. As David takes a sip. My lemonade. Here's the alternate title for this miniseries. Michael Mansplaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are men. And we're Two ends. you're gonna start explaining this filmography hard. I guess so. This is your guy. This is your Tim Burton. Mm. I grew up in a dark little corner. Oh God! And you grew up. I grew up in fantasizing about men making tough men making tough decisions. God, men who have to make decisions that are hard. Oh my God! They got they got a job to do. They're trying to fight the system. I guess so. But I got skills. I look out for me. I got my skill. Yeah, he's got my magic act. Um, Why do I love Michael Mann? Why do Uh, I love him? Because you love bureaucracy. Yeah, oh, you love it, stories about bureaucracy. Yeah, when did I it do. start, David? What was like your first couple of man films? Mm, when did I become a man? I'm pretty sure the first <laughs> Michael Mann movie I saw was The Insider. I was 13. Interesting. Okay. I maybe had seen, I can't remember when I saw Heat. Yeah. You know, if I saw, I saw Heat around there. The you know, when I'm like when becoming a teen. Yeah, sure. But The Insider I saw for like Oscar purposes. Mm-hmm. This was a big movie. Yes. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to see this movie with this like Russell Crowe performance and, everyone's talking about. And 99, right? a big year for film. I mean, that True. was like a year that was like an activator for a lot of people. Yeah, it's the generation. only year we're allowed to talk about. <laughs> it's getting it's getting discussed. This There's a lot of 99 stuff going I know. on. Yeah. Um, and uh, I saw The Insider mm-hmm. and I just remember being like, well, Crowe is really good in that, which he is. Yeah. We'll get to it. But also like, what was up with that movie with like, the weird opera score and those like long shots of him like sitting in a chair and like what what's going on here? Yeah. Who I mean, is this guy? Here's the thing that I find interesting about Michael Mann that I was thinking a lot while watching Thief. Thief. The film we're discussing today, his, his debut, debut film, film. What Ben argues is perhaps the best debut film we've ever covered on the show. Well, I Or wanna... you were saying one of the best debut films you've ever seen. Yes. Because I'm not, you know, the biggest film buff. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I've really visited many directors' first features. Outside well, of this podcast. Outside of this sure, podcast. Sure, right. So I, I Where think, we always covered the debut feature. Right. To my own sort of dismay. <laughs> but this one's good. Yes. Uh, I loved it. I think this, yeah, mm. is the best. One of the right. the best debut. This I'm is a seen. very Ben movie. Like Mean Streets is, yeah. I guess, the other one that That's comes to mind. That's not a debut, though. Oh. It's not his debut. But it's like early. four films before that. Yeah, exactly. That was his breakthrough. That's the thing. Often you get your breakthrough movie, right. but after you made a couple of maybe... Trashy movies. Right. Or, yeah. mean, mean Streets Indie was movie. his sixth sense. Oh. It was his Matrix. It Shit. was the one where okay. it connects. But here, okay. that's what I want to go through. I mean, Bound um, is the other one that stands out to the me. Thing. Oh, yeah. Bound. Okay, Bound. But this yeah. is why I want to go through it. Okay. Praying with anger. Bad. You know, whatever. Bound fucking rules. Yeah. Right? Owns. Bound's great. Owns. Um, Say anything. Sexy. A strong debut. Very strong debut. Uh, who else Excuse we got me. here? Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah. Piranha Please. 2, The Spawning, forget it. Perfect. Masterpiece. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm so uh, angry that Joe Dante got knocked out of March Madness because then we could have covered Piranha, Piranha 1. I know. We could have covered all our Piranha bases. Yeah. Well, until we do our Alexandra Aja film um, filmography miniseries and Jesus. cover Piranha. That's when we're really, that's when we're really, uh, yeah. you know, uh, three years past our sell-by date or whatever. <laughs> Alexander, no, 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 there's a lot going there's on some here. There's going on here. Hills Have Eyes 2 is kind of an interesting film. Violent. Yeah, maybe he only made one. Go on. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, you know, we didn't do Spielberg's debut. Uh, no, following, eh. Yeah. You know, The Loveless, eh. You know, these are movies yeah. that are more like 
Interesting. Flavors of something right. to cool to come later. We didn't do Verhoeven's debut. Right. Um, terms of Endearment. Okay, a good movie. Yeah, that's a, a, that's a strong debut. So we've covered yeah. some good debuts. We have. Um, uh, the Iron Giant, good debut. Ooh. Not bad. Not um, bad. Pushing Hands, that's more in the latter category. Yeah. The Parent Trap, you know, solid. Yeah. It's a non-base double. Uh-huh. And then um, Pee-wee's, you know, Pee-wee's Big Adventure is a good debut. <laughs> so we've done some good ones. So is this the best one we've covered ones. on this podcast? Maybe not. I don't know. It's not my favorite. It's it's definitely Ben's favorite. Yeah. It's so my kind of movie. It's just scummy. Like, just, Neon noir. If you, uh, if you like put your hand through the air, you yeah. know, it would come back all sweaty. There's a film. <laughs> sweaty, yeah. 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 A little, like a little greasy, a little gritty. A lot of great jackets. <sighs> this is A lot just, of great hand in pocket acting, uh, which I love. It is wet, baby. It's wet. My favorite thing I'd is- I'd say it's damp. Th- yeah. This is- um, what's his name? Uh, geez, come on, David. Is it Roger or Robert? Robert, Robert Prosky's his debut film, acting, you know, film acting debut, right. TV acting debut, and you know, screen no, debut. No, 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 no. He had TV credits before this. I don't think so. Yes, he did. I looked it up last night because someone tweeted uh, at us about uh, you posted it on Letterbox, and so now everyone knows we're covering Michael Mann. <sighs> How dare I? Honestly, How dare you? We've had a talk about this and refused. Okay, all to right, play. all right. I guess they they weren't on his Wikipedia, but if you yeah. go to his, uh... he had TV credits, but even then, he's. 51 in this movie. Right. This is his first movie. Yeah. His first TV credit is only like eight years earlier. Yeah, it's it's in the 70s. I mean, he um, didn't get on camera no. until his 40s. He had essentially the year before yeah. he had done. I was like, look, I did a deep dive into Prosky. Prosky fucking Who rules. He's the best. And I I just watched The Natural, which I've never seen. Yeah. Which he's incredible. Like he's yeah. always good. Another reason Joe Dante, we would have been able to cover uh his vampire character. His vampire. In Grand, Gremlins 2. Oh, that's right. That's him. He plays a vampire late night monster movie TV right, host right. like Vampire Grand, who wants right. to be a newscaster. <laughs> Grand Buffer. And he's in Broadcast News, which he's yes, really good so in. so good in. I'm trying to think of if we've done any other Proskies. He's, uh, oh, he's in what uh, Ben, of course, knows as the most quotable movie of all time. Mrs. Doubtfire. That's correct. He's the boss in Mrs. Doubtfire. The famous. Oh, sure. Scene with the two dinners at he's, the same time. He's in Miracle on 34th Street, but offensively is not playing Santa Claus. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> right? Yeah. Especially because in his later years, he grew a big white beard and he basically was Santa Claus. Yeah, let me tell you something, kid. I'm going to get you fucking presents. <laughs> it's the thing. I'm going to get presents and I'm bring down your chimney. I'm going to slide down that chimney so fucking hard. And those boxes are going to be there and you better want those boxes. <laughs> the, uh, we, he's in that last section hero. So yes. if we ever get to McTiernan, you know. Yeah. We should get to McTiernan. We should get to it. McTiernan. Um, Prosky. Prosky. Uh, and he, also, what a good name to say. Robert Prosky. I've been talking about this His with real you name is like Proskyczyk. You know, he's oh, like a sure. Polish guy. But Prosky stole a good, hard oh, name. Yeah. He didn't change it oh, to like. Oh, yeah. Robert Johnson. <laughs> Robert Good Actor. <laughs> what if you did that? That's your uh, pseudonym. Robert Good Actor? Yeah, yeah. Griffin Good Actor. I was getting some Ben vibes like I'm going to look like him when From I get Prosky? older. Well, I was going to say, Go on. I've been talking about this with you guys, but I'm like very uh, frustrated with being uh, 30. Right. You right want to be 55. You mean like. I feel like whenever the tick ends and hopefully by the time this episode comes out, my show has not been canceled. <laughs> sure. But whatever the tick ends, I'm going to be stuck in a fallow period until I start looking like Dennis Franz. And then I think <laughs> I'm going to pop. 
Like, I just look at, like, when I look at, like, fucking Kevin Dunn Franz. and Robert Prosky well, and Dennis Fra- Prosky these, like, and Franz both came out of Hill Street Blues. So right. those are two Hill Street Bluesers. And people, obviously, people are going to go, like, Maybe you should revive You're not Hill a Street Robert Blues. Prosky type. Yeah, Prosky's a you know, pretty broad guy. But here's my you know? argument, okay? Okay, okay? First of all, I think I'm going to balloon. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like you're gonna hit thirty, and then suddenly I'm thirty. You just now. hit thirty. You just hit. 30. I think like thirty five. I'm gonna be like full, like only like uh, horseshoe hair, body like a dumpling, protruding eye. You're gonna be a little pot sticker. I think. Give me five years, and I'm gonna look like a little Harry Pot sticker. And the other thing is, you go all oh, these guys. These are tough. These are tough street guys. First off, I'm downtown Griffey Nooms. I grew up on the hard streets of Greenwich Village. Okay. <laughs> I, I know the streets. Mm-hmm. I know streets. Mm-hmm. Here's another thing. What's the other thing with those guys? They're frustrated. They're tired. They're giving up. They're fast right. talkers. These are all things I got. You know what I'm saying? And right now we're seeing them through a certain prism, uh-huh. which is flummoxed interns. <laughs> but someone asked me recently, like, what, what do you want to do with your career? Like, what do you want to be doing as an actor? And I was right. like, I want to be like the guy behind the desk. Yeah, you want to like, I want to be the ass. frustrated guy behind the desk saying the mayor's on my ass. <sighs> the mayor's on my ass. Right. Or I pinch you, you pinch me or whatever the fucking dialogue is. So I look at Prosky and I'm just like, God, I want to look like that. Well, in 1980, mm-hmm. the New York Times, which is a year before Thief. Okay. Wrote that. Robert Prosky's performance in Death of a Salesman in regional theater. Uh He did a lot of regional theater in Washington, D.C. Interesting. Quote, represented a certification of the effectiveness of the American regional regional theater movement. I just got chills. Prosky was so good. I got (laughs) chills. The Times was like, fucking shit. Not only is he good in this. If you see his performance, you'll be like, regional theater is good. Like, you know, like the whole thing. I believe in in drama as a concept. It needs to be for the people. Prosky. Can we do a Prosky miniseries? Prosky cast. Proscast. Proscast. Pros Nixon. <laughs> we bring what Cynthia if he interviewed Nixon, Nixon? On. Come on, you did it, didn't you? <laughs> Tell me, you shit heel. Talk straight to me, dick. Come on. Prosky. Well, yeah, I'll go, go give you equity in my laundromats. <laughs> well, the other, the other guy who has a film debut in this movie is Dennis Farina. That's right. Who falls in this category. Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina, who was robbing the set, and then they just decided to cast him. <laughs> he was a Chicago cop. He was a cop. He's got that push broom. You know who Farina is? Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. He's, well, and in this movie, he's got black hair. He does. But Which shortly I've after, never seen. I know. It's after, sort of weird. Because the key this, Farina well, He look. was born the year before. That's what he looked like as a baby. <laughs> That's why he doesn't have much dialogue in this movie, because he hadn't learned to talk yet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I was going to say, the classic Farina look is, he's totally gray, but the mustache is still dark. Right, 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 right. That right. beautiful thing. Fuck you, fuckball. Right. The, the fucking shoe polish mustache. Um, yeah, on so the saw colored hair. What's his story? He was uh, born he was on a, a leap year. Hey. God, is Dennis Farina a fucking mystical creature? <laughs> Dennis um, Farina died at the age of 18. <laughs> Uh, born on a leap year in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. The fourth son of seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, his father was from Sicily. Yeah. His mother, a homemaker, mm-hmm. according to Wikipedia. I that's all they say, got. A sausage. Right. <laughs> his mother was a, a nice bratwurst. <laughs> um, grew up in Old Town, Chicago. Right. 
served in the Vietnam War. Yes. And then served for 18 years right. in the burglary department of uh, the uh, Chicago PD. Right. So man brings him on as a consultant yes. for this. Cop consultant. Because man, obviously, he loves I the details. I think even before this, I think maybe for like a TV movie TV. they made to get maybe um, with Jericho Mile, like, you know. Sure. He, he was a... A, you know, a crime consultant. Well, let's we'll get to the man backstory in a second. You know, we we got to do Prosky A, right. Farina B, <laughs> then man we can talk about. Thief. So he brings Farina God, on. I feel so good to not be talking about Tim Burton. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that one shot early on where Khan sits down next to the um the guy who's fishing. Uh-huh. And there's like a backlit shot of him, like, you know, looking out at the water. Yeah. I was like, look at this, just two people. And they're nice. It's great. And they're nice. No, That's not how God. anyone else would describe Thief. And they're nice. It's a nice movie. Nice boys. This is about nice people, This is right? a movie about nice boys. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to find this Michael Mann quote that I love. But uh, he, yes, he like, you know, uh, Danny Trejo is another example of this, where Danny Trejo was actually a convict. Sure. And then they brought him on as like a consultant. Maybe for Heat. Is that possible? There's this whole world that's built around Eddie Bunker, that guy who wrote that book, who's who's Mr. Blue and Reservoir Dogs. Okay. And like all yeah. these guys, like Trejo knew him. Right. Man consulted with him for the Jericho model. Like, right. He's the guy who's sort of like, hey, yeah, well, uh, you should meet my friend Danny. And Danny's like, hola, how you doing? You know, and it's yeah. like, wow, this guy needs to be in a movie. Like, right. look at him. Right. They would get these guys who had been on one side or the other of crime. Uh, and we're right. in it, and guys like Michael Mann would be like, I need verisimilitude. Like, I want the details to all be right. I want the language to be right. I want to feel right. Right, in the, and in this movie, he just, like, hired thieves and right. was like, bring your equipment. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to use it. But then these guys would be such interesting characters that they'd be like, you know what? We're going to put you in the movie and give you a thing to do. And, like, Danny Trejo was just a convict. He was, And Dennis um, Farina was just a cop. And then both of them became, like, incredible movie stars. I'm going to give you the Trejo story. He yeah. was working as a, he'd been in prison and then mm -hmm. he was working as a youth drug counselor. Okay. And um, a teenage patient was dealing with cocaine problems on the set of the Eric Roberts film Runaway Train. There was cocaine on that set? Weird. In 1985? Weird. I don't think that. that this must be untrue. Have I ever I'm going to call you? Wikipedia angrily. You're telling me an Eric Robert film in, in Robert's film in the 80s with, 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 with um, what's, who else? Who's the other? John Voight? Oh boy. Sorry, what were you going to say? Have I ever told you the Eric Roberts, uh, um, uh, Burt Young story? I don't know. I heard from I like a teamster. So. Sure. I might save that for later in the episode. <laughs> Great. Um, and so Trejo was brought to the set. It was Heat, right? No, it's Runaway Train. Oh, Runaway Train. And okay, Eddie sorry. Bunker, who was already working yeah. on that set, who's another guy, an ex-con who wrote like crime fiction, uh, was oh, like, gotcha. I was in jail with you. Right. And Trejo's like, yeah, sure. And he's like, do you want to train Eric Roberts in boxing? And he was like, yeah, yeah sure. And that's how he... Yeah. Right. So Trejo ended up on set just because he was like a sober companion yes. to the kid. Yes. Amazing. Exactly. Uh, crazy, right? It's crazy. Uh, Farina fucking rules. And I'm trying to find this man quote that a bunch of people ran when Farina died. Because he died tragically. A yeah, little too young. young. Somewhat young. Um, 69. And it was like an embolism or something. Like he, uh, It was sort of a freak. Not a freak, but like a very sudden death. Uh, pulmonary embolism, yeah. as you say. 2013. Uh, my phone is dying. My phone's at that stage where it uh, just doesn't work. Charge it. It's not because of the battery. It's, oh, okay. I'm saying oh, dying it's just like, like your phone's like this, just too I'm old. just yeah. pushing the home button and nothing's happening. But there's this Michael Mann quote where he was like, you know, I just thought the guy was so interesting. And uh, thank you. Ben's handing me his phone. 
uh, I'm going to try to get this exact quote because it's so good that I don't want to paraphrase it. Sure. Um, okay, so here's the quote. So, like, man falls in love with Farina, right? Sure. Right. And then he gives him a much bigger role in Manhunter. Right. And then he makes a TV show based around him, Crime Story. Right, uh, which is good. Yes. Good I show. I tried watching it when I was 14. And too young. No, no, no. Way too young. It's yeah. now streaming for the first yeah, time Yeah, you in can a while. only watch that when you are Robert Prosky right. aged. Right, I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, no, but, it's a good show. I think two seasons, uh, it didn't run very long, but it it's didn't. great. And a lot of people credit it. And, and I mean, man's TV work in general as well, sort of being the early stages of the, the TV era we live in now. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But uh, uh, Michael Mann was interviewed about Dennis Farina. Uh, for some profile, because mm-hmm. you know, obviously he was one of his muse, uh, muses, and they asked uh, Michael Mann what makes uh, Dennis Farina so captivating as an actor, mm-hmm. and Michael Mann's quote to the Miami Herald was, it's a mystery to me because I know him so well, and I think he's so fucking ugly. <laughs> when we had these casting <laughs> meetings, a couple of guys would say, well, I don't know if he's good looking enough, and there would be some women there, and they'd say, are you kidding? To tell you the truth, I think women sense his gentleness. He's a real gentle guy. <laughs> that, that, there are two left turns there. We paused the recording so for 90 seconds right. so I could get that because that's an incredible quote. Incredible quote. For someone to say about their friend, I think he's so fucking <sighs> ugly. And then I think the end of that quote is he goes, but I don't know. Women seem to like him. No, no. Beyond that, women like him. And he's like, it's because he's gentle. Yeah. Not like some, not, like that, that's not what I thought you were going to say. The idea that like Michael Mann in a casting room right. full of guys would be like, I mean, we all agree. This guy's fucking butt ugly, right? He's you know he's got a face like a he's, slab with a mustache he's on it. He's got a bunch of pockmark like acne scars right. on his cheeks. Yeah, and this fucking jet black bush broom. Uh, um, but let's talk about Michael Mann. Michael uh, Mann's interesting because he doesn't feel like a guy who comes out of TV. No, but he one hundred percent is. One hundred percent is, right. and not only that, then TV starts to follow Michael Mann's lead. Yeah, for sure. Slowly, yeah. TV becomes more and more like Michael Mann. Because like watching yeah. Thief, I was like. This is like the kind of like template for people making like anti-hero shows right. now. Like tough men anti-hero TV you're shows. You're right. He's a, an anti-hero you can root for. Right. Um I does bad drive. things. Sure. Uh, drive too. I mean yeah. Drive Drive and is like definitely very sty- I thought a stylized like thriller crime. But this Neon is so Noir. so much yeah. better than Drive. Yes. Oh, I like yeah. Drive a lot. Uh I like Drive too. I yeah. like it. I mean the um, other one that he uh Even the font selection is oh, like yes. The other one that Refn always cites is the uh, the driver. Well, that movie rules. The Walter Hill, Ryan O'Neill that movie, movie. I've never seen. That movie fucking rules, but that's basically like a silent movie. Yeah. Like, this has Khan, Khan you know, right. sort of like given a lot, lot of character yeah. to you, right. whereas like um, Ryan O'Neill and the driver is like, he doesn't say anything. But that's also Gosling and Drive. The yeah, difference right, is that's what I'm saying. That, that all the supporting more, characters in Drive talk like similes like sure, of sure. Michael Mann characters. Right, right. But this, they're all a little prettier. Yes. This is the thing that I find so interesting about Mann. He is so stylized sure. in so many ways, but his stylization is so bizarre right. that like, he is as stylized as Tim Burton in terms of like, totally. what his universe is, what his aesthetics are, the, the themes of his work, the mm-hmm. company of actors he uses and all of that. But it's also like the other guy I kept on thinking about watching this was uh, Mammoth. Right. Because it's like Chicago set stuff, right? And super verbal, like a lot of tough talk. But there's something very like um, uh, flowery. Yeah. It, it With Mammoth. Whereas this dialogue so straight, like it's so stripped. Very blunt force. It's very blunt force. And it's a lot of like, it's weirdly rhythmic. Yeah. Because they repeat the same words like a bunch of times in a row. It's a bunch of like 
short sentence fragments that all have the same word like pinch or <laughs> tight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then his look obviously is like, you know, I think a lot of his aesthetic comes by accident because he likes shooting stuff at night. He does. It's very hard to shoot night on film. Right. And he doesn't want it to look overlit. So he creates this kind of neon aesthetic of what if the green glow at the bar is so bright right. that I can light the scene with that? Right. So you don't get bright white lights that that take away the night yeah. vibe. Yeah. It's the reflections. It's the street signs. Hell yeah. You know, it's the windows. It's these sort it's of. the reflection. Yeah. Of the, on the puddles. Yes. That sort of stuff. It's like, how do I get light sources in there? And puddles, how do I give them a weird. David. Love a puddle. A lot of puddles. Love a pud. But he comes so much out of TV and especially in like crime TV. Procedurals are so perfunctory at this point. Right. And the only style that those procedurals have is who's the lead guy? You know? Right. Columbo, Peter Fox going to bring his own kind of vibe to it. You right. know? If it's Ironside, if it's Perry Mason, if it's fucking whoever, right? Sure. For decades and decades, it's like the lead actor kind of sets the tone, but you don't have shows that have, you know, a real a veracity. Look. They don't have a look. They no. don't have a different rhythm. Well, also, as you know, you know, it's so much about like, we got to make them fast. We right. got to do them, like churn these things out as fast as we can. No, like, there's think, no time to worry about setting up a shot. I think there's time. one exception to that. Have you ever seen any of Johnny Staccato? No, no, I've heard about it. Yeah. Which is uh, John Cassavetes. What a, what, a, what a name. Show. Yeah. Right. Um, that's like half crime show, half jazz music. Yeah. That's like the, uh, like 59. That's like right. a long time ago. He wanted yeah. to be directing his own films. Yeah, right. And he needed money because he would always put his own money into his movies. Yeah. So he was like, I'll take a TV job, uh-huh. but I'm going to like set out some ground rules. So A, he was like, I'm only in like two thirds of the episodes. <laughs> There's like another character that sometimes alternates with him. And he's like, B, I want a bunch of it to be like piano playing and stuff. Weird. It only ran for one season. I've never yeah. seen this. But it's like a good batch of episodes in that one season. I've only seen a handful. It rules. Sure. But I wouldn't be surprised, and this is pure conjecture, that that was a thing that man saw at a young age. Yeah. Because it's it not feels impossible. like that sense of that show, which is also about kind of like these broken men. It's not a, a cop or detective showing how cool he is or how clever he is. It's not Kojak. You know, it's not Columbo. Who loves you, baby? Michael Mann probably does. Sure. But this is also about the thief. Yes. Right? I mean, and it, it's sort of, a, isn't it sort of a turn? Well, he's, thief. He's somewhat. done both sides. Yeah, I, for I sure. think the key thing for him is he's interested in crime. He's interested in structures. He's interested he in systems. He likes process. He likes professionals. And he loves tough decisions. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. All his movies are men kind of stuck. When you're stuck. backed into a corner. Right. How, how do you, you act know, when you're backed around into a corner? around the corner? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why, like, we'll get to Ali eventually. Oh, yeah. We'll get to Ali eventually. Sure. But people, I think, were confused by the movie when it came out because it wasn't a conventional sports biopic. biopic. Right, right, and he was right. like, I'm more interested in... Ali as like a political figure. Yeah, the tough decision points in his life. Uh, right. right. Yeah. And just for context, uh, I should mention to our listeners, yeah. these uh this whole mini series is gonna be skins. Uh we're shirtless and we will be shirtless throughout the run. What, where, what is this bit based on? Yeah, what, what is this? We're, we're men, man. It's a menly Menly? It's a menly, oh, manly sort of men, men, filmography. Men, 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 men. Yeah, let's play that up as much as possible. Well, we Michael, should have all right, fair enough. I don't know what's going Two on. Two and a half mans. Fine. Michael Mann. Michael Mann. You don't have to cut that. Michael Mann. Keep it in and double it. Was born in Chicago. Chi-town? He was born in Chi-town. Okay. He's, he's a Russian Jew. <sighs> Love it. Um, 
His parents, Esther and Jack. Smell the borscht. I know. His parents, Esther and Jack. Yeah. Grocers. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Uh, he went to the University of Wisconsin. Uh-huh. And then he saw Dr. Strangelove. Proper Midwest boy. That's weird. I would not expect that that was the movie that activated Michael Mann. That's right. I think he was basically like, the way he talks about it, is like when I saw Strange Love, I was like, oh, so you don't have to make a movie for everybody? Like, you know, like, oh, oh you're allowed to make this? Wouldn't it be Rather great? than like a big commercial, you know, what, you know what I mean? Like, wouldn't it be great if Michael Mann was like, yeah, I mean, all my comedies I've made, they're all comedies. I don't, fucking you guys funny. got that, right? Yeah. Right. Um, that was just a bit. Yeah. What is his funniest movie? His funniest movie? That's, is it Heat? Is it Collateral? I think like, it's Collateral. Yeah, I guess like it's a lot of dialogue at least, yeah. like, and it's at least got some odd couple energy too. Yeah, yeah, not really a. Uh, you know who his first choice was for Collateral, right? I mean Tom Cruise, but then we've for the other Sandler. Part, yeah, Sandler. we talked about it. Yeah, it was announced as a Sandler movie. That's right. Yeah, that would have been weird. Really Imagine weird. Him being direct. Well, James Caan, Sandler's Idol. Yeah, you know, and Sandler like cites this movie a lot. Kind of a tough Jewish guy. He was like, I grew up, I saw this angry Jewish guy. And that's who I want to be. I always want to be James Conn. He tells this story on Conan's podcast, which is very good. Mm -hmm. Not that he needs our fucking plug. Um, about uh, working with James Conn on Bulletproof. And he went up to him on the Universal lot. And he was like, Mr. Conn, I just want you know my entire life. I want to be like you. Right. And James Conn says, like, bad choice, kid. <laughs> right. Is, is James oh, Conn basically like sleaze royalty? James Conn is fascinating. Because <laughs> here's a movie star we've never talked about before. Ben's that pointing to his head. That He's very it. proud that his brain came up with that. Yeah. Oh, I've remembered it. That, that was, was it. what You said oh, that to me earlier, and I was like, you got to say that on the pod. Uh, here's the thing that I think is very interesting about James Conn. James Conn's father was a butcher. Hey! Oh, I like that. Slice of meat! <laughs> yeah. Slice of meat! And uh, he went to Hofstra, but he dropped out because oh. he fell in love with acting. But, but he was uh, there with Coppola, right? They were both... Went to classmates. Hofstra with Coppola. And Lainey Kazan. <laughs> and Lainey Kazan. Whoa. The Wrecking Crew. <laughs> it's really crazy. He's from Sunnyside. Yeah. Um, and he's a German Jew. He is a German Jew. His right. parents were immigrants. Yeah. Right. Um, Falkenstein. The thing I was going to say that's interesting about James Caan, and his persona is well established at this point, and this is in fact 1981, he takes a five-year break from acting pretty shortly after this. This movie, I think, really wiped him out. Yeah, he takes like a, yeah. He doesn't make a film from 82 to 87. That's right. That's right? right? And it's yeah. Coppola's the one who brings him back. Um, Coppola brings him back for Gardens of Stone. Yeah. Yeah. And it was uh -huh. a big deal that like five years later, he was like, I thought I'm done with acting. I'm going to ride off into the sunset. Right. And I made, I was a big movie star. I have enough money to last me. He realizes he's broke. <laughs> right. That's what happens. Right. Then he's literally living like hand to mouth. I think he's had two divorces at this point. Ooh. He's become <laughs> addicted to cocaine, kicked the cocaine habit. Wait, in the 1980s? He yes. became addicted to cocaine? Uh, weirdly. Oh, in was Hollywood. he on the set of Runaway Train? Sorry. Go ahead. That, talk about a Runaway Train. Yep. Um, but he, uh, his last movie, 1982, he walked off the set and they had to replace him with Michael Caine. I'm forgetting. It's a thriller. His last, like, what do you mean? His last film before he went into his self-imposed exile. Oh, I don't know. 1982. All right, let me look it up. Let's see. It's a Michael um, Caine movie where Michael Caine replaced him. So then he had, like, burned all his bridges in Hollywood. The Holcroft Covenant. Thank you. Doesn't sound like a... A barnstormer, that one. Right. So, Box office, $393,000. Coppola brings it back for Garden of Stone. Sure, sure, sure. He's only able to get one-fourth the salary he got five years earlier. Right. 
and they make him put up his own bond for the insurance policy because they're afraid he's going to walk off the set again. Wow. And then he kind of rebuilds himself in the early 90s. Yeah, late I mean, 80s, early 90s. Misery, I feel like, is the big one that gets him sort which of... Which he said he fought really hard for that part. Right. And no one wants to take it because... Because you lie in a bed all day. That was his thing. Yeah. He was like, every other big movie star right. has too much ego to take this role. Right. And he, like, knew he needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he has kind of, like, a crazy 90s. Sure. Into the 2000s. And then his career is, like, Las Vegas. Yeah. Wasn't he in with the, with the early Star Trek movies? No. No. He's not in a track. He was, like, the villain, I thought. No. No. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do you even... What a horrible even thing do? to what happen. Do? What do you do in a wake of a thing like that? I don't know. What do you do? Call the police. You call the police. Yeah. All right. So just, yeah, Khan, you know, he's in... He's in some movies like Rabbit Run and stuff, the okay. Rain People. But there are two things I want to but say about But the big, him. you know, if The Godfather launches him and, you know, in the 70s. He, he was in The like, Godfather? Yeah, he got an Oscar nomination. In the 70s, he did like The Gambler. He did Freebie and the Bean. He did uh, Funny Lady. He did Rollerball. Right. He did a lot of good movies. He has uh, a big run and he's, you know, an angry man. And here are the two you things. Know, he's I got was... a lot of, yeah, a lot of fuck you energy, right? Right, right. Sort uh, of a simmering guy. Yeah, so here are the two things I want to say about Khan that make him interesting as a movie star. One. He was one of the early guys who was like, ah, I fucking hate this whole racket. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah Like yeah. acting for horse flowers. Shit. It's all horse shit. I'm out of here. Right? I guess so, but he also like studied with Sanford Meisner. And, like, and Scott Kahn, his son, of course, sure. Dano on Hawaii Five-0. We all love him. We in interviews, him always him. says like- He always my, books him. He's like, my dad always like does that thing, but he fucking loves acting. Of course he loves it. He dropped out of a, he was probably in like butcher school at yeah. Hofstra. He was in the butchery department or right. something. And uh, he fell in love with acting. Right. And he was, you know, like, oh, well, I just like doing the improvs because I was an angry guy. I could yell people and all right, the improvs could... always ended in violence. Yeah, he, yeah, he says that. That's, That's the key thing about James Caan, though, which I think is really interesting. So he's the annoying guy at the improv class who's yeah. like, this is a stick up. Yeah. <laughs> like every time. Yeah. You're dead. Yeah. <laughs> I killed you. You're Bang. fucking dead. Why <laughs> down? Yeah. It is. Well, it is important to say. James Cotton never made Harold Knight. Mm-hmm. Never even made a Lloyd team. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, what I was going to say more importantly is I think his key movie star trait, Ben's giving a thumbs up, this episode's a disaster. No, uh, it's not. I think the key movie star trait for James Cotton is self-destruction. You, wanna, you want me to Self-sabotaging. Yeah, so you, you know wa- what I'm saying? He's this guy who like can't keep it together. Of course. I mean, of course, that is Sonny Corleone's thing. But that's the gambler. That's yeah, this yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. It's these guys but- where it's like, whether they're on the right side of the law or not, there's a pathway for them, and they don't make it easy for themselves. And, and that he, feels he like He says Thief is his favorite movie, along with he said, The Godfather. Thief of, yeah. Thief of the Godfather, yeah. two best movies he ever did. Um, but, but don't you think like that, combined sure. with the man thing, is like, this is starting to be the prototype for like 25 years down the line, like- Sopranos and Breaking Bad right. and all these shows about these like tough men with a weird element of sensitivity who keep on getting themselves deeper and I, deeper and my deeper. My favorite thing about Thief is that it's not about a heist that goes wrong. Right. Nothing goes wrong Nothing goes wrong. Thief. He's a professional. Like yeah. that's it. Yeah. 
And then the guy's like, all right, in return for your good work, right. I'm well ready to offer you a lucrative job. And he's like, hey, fuck you. I don't work for anybody. And you're like, Jimmy. But that's the, that's the man <laughs> this thing. This guy bought you a baby. <laughs> that's the man thing that becomes the cornerstone of, of prestige has, TV drama is. He has like a tree on his shoulder, not right, a chip. Right. Here are men who are incredibly good at their jobs. Yeah, yeah, and find a way to continually fuck themselves up and get right. themselves deeper and deeper. But you know, heat, heat. Well, we'll get to heat. Heat's I, a little incredibly different. good at very specific jobs. I know, no, I know. I, but, but he in heat, he doesn't want to fuck himself up. And you it's know what it's I mean? the interiority of their emotional lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Chicago outfit is so infamous for being so corrupt and so right, right. Uh, like involved in all aspects of racket in Chicago. Right. And I really like, because I wasn't at first, I was also too like, damn, just take the job, man. Sure. But I, you no, realize, he, he yeah. do it. you kind of realize though that the cops are in on it and it's all this kind of loop and yeah. he's getting screwed over. Well, that's the other thing is he makes these uh, uh, crime movies that are not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're, they're stylish. Sure. But they're also like really kind of like uh, uh, violent, not, sure. I'm not even talking about the, the violence themselves, but violent in their language, yeah, in their yeah. energy, uh-huh. like they're blunt. Yeah, yeah. You know? But they're not like lurid, I guess is what you're saying. Uh, I'm no, to and they're out. not like pulpy. Yeah, right. They're not like pulpy. he's into doing like really he hard like takes on pulpy right. material. Sure. But he's like, all right, just before we get off con, yeah. I want to read you this from his Wikipedia. Because you're talking about self-destructive. Mm-hmm. The amount of things he says he's turned down. Yes. Turn down the French Connection. Mm-hmm. Turn down One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm. Close Encounters. Mm-hmm. Kramer versus Kramer. Quote, it was middle class bourgeois, bourgeois baloney. Bullshit. Oh, I thought it was bullshit. <laughs> uh, baloney's funny. even funnier. You're right. Apocalypse Now because Coppola was like 16 weeks in the jungle and he was like, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Blade Runner. Love Story. Superman, I didn't want to wear the cape. Yeah. I want to wear that fucking cape. <laughs> Like, I feel like Khan is this guy where it's like a producer comes to him and like, great news. They want you for Superman. You're going to be Superman. You're going to fly in the air. And he's like, yeah. fuck you. I don't work for anybody. Well, like, yeah, you've seen The Gambler, uh, mm-hmm. a great film written by a horrible sex criminal. Uh, no, I've seen The Gambler, a great film starring Mark Wahlberg. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah, well, okay. the original yeah. Gambler is like the key to this like James Khan thing because he's playing like a sort of wealthy blue blood like Connecticut kid right. who's also an intellectual right. and an English professor at Columbia who goes out every night and tries to ruin his life. Right, exactly. He is just, he cannot help himself. It is a great portrayal of compulsion. Right, and it's like, even when he like somehow wins big, he finds a way to like fuck it up for himself right. again. And the movie ends with him evening out and then going to a bar and like daring a guy to stab him. Right. And then he looks in the mirror and smiles. As his sliced face. Like he just like he doesn't feel comfortable being even. The guy uh, needs to to sink himself lower somehow, one way or another. But Michael Mann, mm-hmm. before we lose that track, and then we can talk about right. the I mean, plot of the fact that he's doing TV movies is so bizarre because that's like a medium where it's just like, just tell the story. Just get it out. Just do it cleanly. Which is the opposite sure, of what right, man right. does, where he's like, I really want to live in these corners. Uh, and it's yes, like, just yes. make like clean dialogue that people can follow even if they're folding their laundry while they're watching the movie. <laughs> and like Michael Mann movies don't work that way. You got to watch them with full attention. That is true. Because if you watch a Michael Mann movie while you're like doing your taxes or, yeah. you know, checking your phone or whatever the fuck you do, yeah. you're just going to come away with being like, I don't know, I guess he like robbed a 
place and then he right. shot someone. Like, I don't know. It seems like nothing. And like, the exposition no plot. is so windy. Right, right, right. That it's like you can't just go like, okay, I got it. He's got the job. When also you look up and you're like, it's a guy with male pattern baldness. You look down and you're like, I guess that, is that the same guy? I can't remember. <laughs> right. Like It's like it's just a, guy, a bunch of guys in like slacks. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, you know, the, the whole mob in this. Right. Like, you know, what's this, 10 years? It's nine years after The Godfather. Right. And, like, you know, the mob there is so romantic. Yeah. And there's, like, curling cigar smoke. Right. And it's, you know, this this brown, like, candle lit. Like, right. And this, the mob is, like, you know, it's like a guy in an office who's like, hey, get off my ass. You know, like, you might as well have gone to the DMV. I've definitely said this before <laughs> in the podcast because it's one of my favorite lines ever. But Patton Oswalt was talking about why he loves the original Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Which is one of my favorite movies. Right. And he was, like, in the remake, it's, like, Den Washington and it like right. tells you how different our idea of a movie star right. has become because in the 70s you go like there's a horrible criminal he's holding the train hostage there's only one man who can stop him and the camera whip pans over and his description is it's Walter Matthau looking hungover yeah. in a cheap suit eating a stale hot dog yes. Yes. <laughs> wearing like a raincoat and like I don't weird sort of plaid hat right, right. <laughs> like <laughs> But eating a stale he has like a hot yellow dog. shirt. Yeah, no, I know. Right, yeah. yeah, he looks like a cup of coffee. I don't know what to, you know, right? right. Like <laughs> that you threw on the track. That's the weird, like, contradiction with man is that like his films like don't have that romanticism, but they still end up being really sexy. Sure, you know. Like he's not going they for are the pulp very thrills. Sexy. This is a very sexy movie. It's a very sexy but it's a movie. sexy movie in that right. It's like a guy. Who can like you know sort of precisely drill a hole right. and like you can kind of see him work the right. the crank you know and like you're kind of like look at this guy he's so good at his what he's doing but who's the other actor above the title in this movie uh, Tuesday Weld Tuesday Weld above the title yes yeah. who is another entirely self sabotaging and self destructive person right she's like a, a child model story. at like six and then by ten was like getting dead drunk in bars in New York City <laughs> you're right she is kind of the the archetype of the like child star you know gone wrong and was like right. fuck it I don't care it was like very open about like this whole industry is full of scumbags I fucking hate all of you and she has another list of like turning down every fucking big movie yeah. like she turned down Bonnie and Clyde wow she was like I mean there's a quote in her on where she's like I would turn down anything that felt like it was going to be a hit I read the Bonnie and Clyde script and I said this is going to be a hit I don't want to be anywhere near it Jesus <laughs> is that true like she's this amazing cold figure like Michael Mann found these people who like Oh, walked wow. the walk. This is crazy. I'm sure you read this. What? She was Stanley Kubrick's first choice to play Lolita. Yeah. And she said, I didn't have to play it. I already was Lolita. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus, she Tuesday. Was like, right, she was like, by 10, I was like a bar rat. And by 12, I was dating 45 Right. She's man. having like affairs with married men like right. on set. What, right. What she a said, person. The first time she tried what to commit story. suicide was when she was 12 years old because she had fallen in love with a gay man in his 30s and she couldn't get over it. Right. Bob and Carol and Fred and Sue or whatever it was called. Right. It reeked of success, she said. Right. True Grit, she turned down. Sure. Like all these performances where teenagers got Academy Award nominations and she was like, go fuck yourself. Suck a lemon. <laughs> right. But she was in um, Looking for Mr. Goodbar, which is a few years before got this. Got Ask an Nomination. Yeah, which Oscar. is a very, a very dark movie. Yeah. Uh, especially for that era. Mm -hmm. Um. And, uh, and shortly yeah, after I guess this, she's kind of rebuilding her career right now. Shortly after this, she kind of stops doing movies and mostly does TV movies. Yeah, she's in Once Upon a Time in America. That's the only other thing I can think of her right. in like the 80s. And there's a, she's a big 90s movie, I'm forgetting. Let's find out. She's in a big 90s movie. She's in Falling Down. Yeah, that was it. 
The uh, Joel Schumacher joint. Yeah, an interesting movie. Apparently she's also in Feeling Minnesota, which I've seen, but I don't remember. Don't remember that. It's also a great name. But I like the idea Tuesday that... Tuesday Weld, for sure. Michael Mann found these actors who have the same sort of, like, impulses. You know? I do. I do know. Like, look at this cast. You got, like, fucking actual, like, former criminals and former cops... 100%. And two, some of the criminals play cops. Some right. of the cops play criminals. Right. Two totally self-destructive, mm-hmm. addictive actors. And Willie Nelson, who like never met a tax bill he couldn't pay. <laughs> right? Isn't that Willie Nelson's whole thing where he's like right. doing albums about all the affairs he had? Yeah. And then they're like, it's time to pay your taxes. You made a $4 million. He's like, I don't want to pay No, I taxes. didn't. <laughs> you're lying <laughs> I didn't make four million dollars <laughs> and everyone's like oh Willie Nelson he's like a sweet guy who yeah. gets high right it's like no Willie Nelson wrote all these like very dark albums about you know it was one of those being a dick too, where he like shaved his beard on television for like half a million dollars because he got, had to get himself out of a legal hole <laughs> that's a true thing no it is he in would like do the late like 90s yeah right, right shaving my beard <laughs> Yeah, they, the IRS seized his assets in 1990, <laughs> claiming he owed them $32 million, which is a lot of dollars. Now I only have $32. Oh, my God. Uh, Jesus Christ. I'm reading about poor Willie Nelson. Yeah, I mean, what a weird casting choice for this movie. He released an album called The IRS Tapes. Yeah. Which literally was like, this will go to the IRS, <laughs> like all profits to the IRS. That was the way he got himself out of a legal hole was IRS was like, you get us one album. (laughs) Right. You're signing a a recording deal with the IRS and it's not IRS records. The good thing that REM did or whatever. It's the internal revenue service. You got a one album deal. (laughs) Right. 15 city promotional tour. We're giving you 50 bucks to record it because this thing better go in the black. Oh, yeah. It's a one taker. (laughs) Yeah, right. Here's a guitar. Go. (laughs) We get merchandise sales. We get touring. Yeah, exactly. You're going to Red Rocks for two weeks. (laughs) Oh, boy. Didn't pay my bills. (sighs) Anyway, right? Yes. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Thief. Anyway, uh, no, just to, uh, Ebert's review. Uh, Ebert's review is very strong, right? Yeah, very positive. Yeah, yeah. He gives him like three and a half, mm-hmm. uh, and he really likes Willie Nelson. Sure. Yeah, I think it's a very good. Yeah, poem. isn't Ebert's? It's, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, he isn't Ebert's out. problem? He's like not enough Willie yeah. Nelson. <laughs> That's exactly what he says. He's like, he's so good. Yeah. I want more. Right. Yeah, um, Michael Mann. Just to give you the end of him, yes. you know, he's the son of two grocers. I already told you <laughs> yeah. that. He's a grocer's son. Go buy yourself a fucking he's from apple. Grocery. He's the head of cabbage. <laughs> Tell him I said, fuck you. He went to London. What? To study graduate film. You know, he went to uh, the University I of London. I go to school in London. Um, Any yeah. school. Primary school. I went to primary school in London. What? I went to secondary school in London. What? He didn't go to college in London. I went to what? Newcastle. Newcastle University. Getting fucking smart with me. I'll pinch you. I'll pinch you. Um, and... Uh, he would uh, make commercials. Some of his friends from uh-huh. London, Ridley Scott, yeah, who he recently interviewed on the DGA podcast in a, uh, I don't know, an interview I can only describe as incomprehensible. <laughs> yeah, they've had him moderate. Uh, an interview I can only describe as uh, all grumbles. <laughs> for, for those of you who've never listened to the DGA podcast, it rules. It's great. It's them recording Q&As after DGA screenings where right. one director interviews the director who made the film. Right. And there's usually some history between them thematic link between their works, whatever it is. Right. Michael Mann does it a lot. Right. 
And he always goes like, so here's my question for you. When I was making the heat, I, I studied bank robbers for about 18 months. And there was a guy I met and he got real calloused hands. And uh, he would always tell me that the key to being a good bank robber was, was breaking your hands down before you even start working. And then I watched in this film, uh, of course, uh, uh, Doctor Strange, that he's got broken hands. <laughs> so um, I don't really have a question. I guess I was just... <laughs> Right? That's what all of his questions That's are like. Right. He goes on a long ramble and he's like, I don't know. I guess that was just something I appreciate. Ridley Scott is like, Did you have a question for me? And Michael Mann's like, like, No, oh, not really. Rich people are fucking disgusting. Another thing I love Michael Mann, when he had to do his sight and sound top 10 list, do you mm. know this? No, I can look it up though. One of his 10 top 10 films of all time. Mm-hmm. One of his 10 and far and away the most recent of the 10. A goofy movie? Avatar. Really? Michael Mann loves. Avatar. I love, he was I like, love, I, I love the Navi. I can't watch that shit without crying. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, he's like, I just, I got stunned watching that fucking thing. I don't uh, know how yes. you make that. Here are his ten. No, another one of them is so wild. Oh my god. Really? Okay, give me the ten. I'm gonna give you the ten in obviousness order. Okay, ending with the wildest. Okay, Apocalypse Now. Obvious. Battleship Potemkin. Of course. Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. Why not? Passion of Joan of Arc. Reasonable. Raging Bull. It, obvious. Yeah. The Wild Bunch. Of course. You know, nice yeah, nice yeah. right? Um, Avatar. My, my Darling Clementine. Okay. Great movie. Yeah. Great Western. Yeah. Maybe not everyone's favorite. You know, yeah. John Ford movie. Avatar. Uh-huh. Beautiful by Alejandro Gonzalez Inoritu. That's right. Let's see what he says about it. Whoa. Um, which is not a movie I love. Gotta be honest. Uh, I've never seen it, but I don't. Like that guy's movies. The profound struggle through the lower depths of Barcelona street life of a human soul. Beautiful is resplendent with grace, pathos, and love. Pure poetry. What do you say about Avatar? Let's talk Tar. Yeah, he's talking Tar right now. Yeah. Let's see. Um, on, upon the foundation of an entirely invented biosystem, Avatar is a brilliant synthesis of mythic tropes with debts to Levi Strauss and Fraser's The Golden Bow. It soars because simply it stones and transports you. What a great little thing. That is. I love that. Beautiful. I love it. I, all of these are good. Yeah. I mean, you should go check out his his list. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he likes movies. He likes movies. It's, it's surprising that he uh, comes from the commercial world, though, because all right. those other guys are like, Primarily, like very kinetic visual stylist. Right. So the people I was naming: Ridley Scott, Alan Parker, right. Adrian Lyne. Right. He shoots some uh, footage These are guys of the, who are like of the visual artists, Paris who then riots. become filmmakers. Yeah, exactly. All of those right, right, dudes. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, which got uh, which aired in the news. Yeah. Uh, he divorces his first wife in '71. Okay. <laughs> got started early. Yeah. Um, at the age of 14. <laughs> he looked probably like 28, 29. Yeah. Um. Hawaii Five O guy Robert Lewin mm-hmm. is like, come, come, come with me, Michael. Yeah. I'll show you how to make a TV show. Right. right, teaches him how to make a TV show. So Michael Mann writes some Starsky and Hutches. Yeah, crazy. Uh, I mean, these things that are so rigid in their right. formula. He he created a show called Vegas with a dollar uh-huh. sign. Um, you know, which uh, he he worked on Police Story, which was right. more realistic, which is seen as sort of like an early, uh, good noir TV sure. show. Sure. You know, like um. Like that. And then he makes this TV movie, The Jericho Mile. Yeah. Which is a big deal. Mm. It wins awards. Mm-hmm. Prison. You're, you're saluting. saluting prison. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. Yes. 
But then that gets him the the runway to make a feature. That gets him thief. Yeah. Yes. The, the the that's impressive enough that he gets five point five million bucks. Yeah. To make thief. Right. And then what's weird is he comes back around to TV. Sure. He sort of changes the landscape After a little. Thief, right. Because thief doesn't do that great. We'll cover this when we get to it. But like he he changes TV a little bit. Sure. Then goes back to features, and then twenty years later, like the seeds he planted in television have sort of blossomed into. You're right. The entirety of prestige drama. You're right. Should right? we do the Miami Vice pilot as like a bonus? Maybe we should. You know, even though he didn't direct it, but like we like to do that. He didn't direct the pilot. No. Interesting. Don't think so. Maybe we do some bonuses for because there's also I mean there's Jericho Mile and there's LA Takedown. LA Takedown, but LA Takedown, as far as I am told, is fairly boring. Interesting. Like if you've seen Heat, right? Because you're kind of like, oh, this is Heat, right? But Robert De Niro and Pacino aren't in it, right? It's more like lukewarm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the old man in the gun. Warm. Warm? You know, because it's like, it, the old man in the gun is like heat. Except warm. Right. You Just know, warm it's like, and comfy. You know, yeah, it's a little chiller. Charming movie. Um, um, okay, so Thief. Yes. He gets James Caan, he pulls him out of the drunk tank. Yes, he does. Right? He yes, pulls he Tuesday Weld out of a knife fight at a bar. <laughs> uh-huh. That's right. Script written solely by him? Oh, yeah. It's based on a... Trying to tell if it's a novel or a, like non based on a like confessional novel right. written by a jewel thief. Right. Oh, right. called the Home Invader was one right. of the uh, consultants on the film. Right. Okay, uh, called uh, John Sabled, and uh, yeah, he was. He a had outstanding FBI. Yes, warrants he had FBI while warrants. He was on set. Yeah, yeah, he was jailed later. <laughs> he went to jail in ninety five. I love that fact. Yeah, it's a good fact. <laughs> now a lot of the guys like who come out of TV. Right? Davey, hey. Right. Get the fuck out of here. Someone like Sidney Lumet, you're like, I hey, can see. Hey, why don't you come the fuck out of here? Yeah, why don't you come the fuck out of here? Someone like Sidney Lumet, you totally see his origins in TV. Because mm, you're like, right. this is a pragmatic filmmaker. Very much This so. is a guy who adapts to the style Actor of the material. focus. Right, right. Yeah, a bit chameleon-y. Right. Yeah. And he's uh, very practical in his sort of process and how he approaches coverage and all of that. Right. Michael Mann, it's like. A TV guy, and then like, here's a feature, and he's like, cool, let me just stretch out quickly. <laughs> you know? Like, this is like the kind of thing that's so unlike how any cream t- crime TV show, Jesus cream Christ. TV. It's also unlike cream TV. It is, although it's not a very creamy movie, let's be honest. It's not a very honest. creamy movie, yeah. Um, yeah, this is also just a movie where, like, and TV is noted, you know, to death, and the mm-hmm. TV, you know, so many people are looking at everything. Did no one, like, say anything? Yeah. How was he allowed to do this? Very bizarre. And I guess the answer is, like, con's still pretty big at this yeah, point. Yeah, and the budget's, like, not that high. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just kind of wild that no one was like, hey, could you, like, explain things a little more? Could you, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just feels like a movie where a studio would be like, this is too fucking obscure. It does also feel, though, for a long time, and maybe this is sort of starting to become the end of it, right? Right. But for a long time in Hollywood, if you had, Hollywood. like, an okay reel, right? If you had made a good TV movie... You had done some, uh, you know, short films, whatever it was, right? Sure. And they were like, okay, this person knows where to put the camera. Right. And then you give them a script with a gun in it. They'd be like, here's four million. They'd like give you a shot, you know? Sure. Like even like Cassavetes talks about that where he was just like, I need to make a movie that made money. So I wrote Gloria. Right. Because the character has a gun in it. Sure. And you watch Gloria and you're like, they gave him money to make this? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, it had like a car chase and a gun in it. And it's like. The most lethargic car chase <laughs> of all time. But there was that kind of thing where it's like, even if you seemed uncommercial or the idea was uncommercial, 
they were like, if you have a movie star, yeah, you could scrape together some cash. And for, the movie right. starts holding a gun um, on the poster. Right, right, right. We can we can make it work. And I mean, the, the poster of Thief is this very cool silhouette. Oh, you saw the poster, right? Of yes. of yeah. his, his of him over like the sparks flying. But it like looks like a blacklight poster. It does. But there's yeah. also that poster of him right. pointing the gun right. that it, I feel like is all the more over traditional. The place. It looks right. very contemporary. It does. It, it uh, well, this movie feels, it feels very contemporary. Like this it, it mood, feels, yeah, certainly of this movie at least feels ten like years now. out of time. It yes. feels, right. like 100%. the whole time I was just thinking good time, right? Which I know is like the fluorescent yes. no, lighting, but, very, but it, it's very setting-ish kind right. of urban yes. sort of like pocket of of like crime that and was subculture. The, the other thing I kept thinking watching this movie is like, oh man, I can't wait to watch that that Safdie Brothers Diamond movie. No, one hundred percent right. And like, obviously, I, like, I want to live in this milieu. I want to see a new movie like this. Tonight? I gotta see more of their stuff. You know about their new movie? No, I don't. Oh, it's you a, don't? It's a Uncut Diamond Gems? District movie with Adam Sandler. Whoa. Yeah, it's and, gonna and Google what Adam Sandler looks like in the movie for Ben. Ben needs to see this and he needs to react to this live on mic. Oh boy, Ben, just don't have any orgasms. Because paparazzi okay? took photos of Adam Sandler and they were like, oh, is he having a midlife crisis? <laughs> and they're like, no, he's fucking in the pocket. Oh boy, Adam Sandler is unrecognizable as slick New Yorker chasing chasing ladies in cocktail dresses. Whoa. There he is. Right? There he is. A tucked in with a Gucci belt <laughs> like from the directors of Good Time. Oh my god. Ah. Yes. God, right? Him yelling. That is so cool. Is that's why I'm so hoping good. that's going to be his James Conn performance. We could get them on the pod. I know that. The Safties? Yeah. We should do that. Yeah, I'll ask him. Yeah. I mean, that's a promise I'm making that I may not be able to bring to fruition. Hey, don't catch a fucking promise. Your ass can't. Whatever. I don't um, know. You know, you think they'll want to talk Miyazaki? <laughs> what? We already announced it. Oh, right. We can do it. Ugh. We're allowed. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Also in that movie, Lakeith Stanfield. Hello. Yeah. Jonah Hill was going to be in it, but he Sandler was going to be the lead. Him, Sandler right? replaced yeah, him, yeah, which yeah, that right. character is even more interesting as an older guy. I agree. Yeah. I, as far as I know, at least the old premise of it was like a jewel, a diamond guy. Lends a really good diamond to a basketball player. Yes. Because he's like, I want some, you know, something where yeah. something really good tonight. And then it like gets lost or there's some yeah. kind of like he's like chasing the diamond through yeah. the city. Yeah. I mean, let's go through it. So the opening of the movie is very much like what Refn is pulling from in Drive, right? This opening like wordless sort of just tangerine dream pulsating score. Yeah. Dark streets. It's raining. Hard turns. <sighs> And Willie Nelson. And Willie Nelson. I think I wrote. <laughs> you know, like cracking the safe. Starting yeah. off right, wet and shady. Wet and shady. Wet and, shady. And, and we got someone else in this cast. Uh, Prosky, Nelson, Farina. Excuse me. Someone oh, else is that Belush. Oh, my God. Belushi, who somehow has less hair than ever in this yes. one. Did he get it back? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who he had to I kill. Don't know. He's got a weird bouffant going on. <laughs> Belushi with a shirtless scene. Oh, well, a shirtless yeah. beach scene. Yeah. That's what Michael Mann will give you. Yeah. Who's the female lead? <laughs> Tuesday well. They dragged her out of a heroin clinic. Yeah. Okay, well, is there like, you know, someone can like wear a bikini? Yeah. Sure. Belushi, put this on. <laughs> I just I just imagine it's like, so Michael, we're giving you six million dollars. Let's go over the list of things we need. Big start. Yeah, I got a big start. Yeah. Guns, crime, got that. We need a topless scene. We need some primo tits in this movie. And he's like, so just all you're asking for is someone topless no with big No further questions. Cool. Jim, take it off. Oh, boy. William Peterson is in this movie? Billy Peterson? Yeah, he's a, he's a bartender. There's another person who, like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember who showed up in the end credits where I was like, oh, that was them in uh, an early, almost unrecognizable role. But um, 
Uh, the Belushi, this is his first movie. Belush? Belushi, he's coming out of Second City Chicago theater scene. He does this movie before he does two seasons on Saturday Night Live. Right, that's crazy. I was trying to find out what his parents did. They're Albanians. Yeah. But I don't know if they were like grocers or butchers. You know, they definitely are from Chicago. No question. I think they were meat people. (laughs) (laughs) They're in meat. Right. But it's kind of interesting that you're like, oh, here's John Belushi's younger brother, right? Right. Has Belushi not died yet at this point? I wouldn't have thought so. Belushi died in 82. Wow. Very soon after. Very soon after. Mm. So at this point, there isn't that like, fuck, we need someone to replace John Belushi. Right, right. And it's like, look, here's just John Belushi's little brother. He's a pretty good character actor. Which is what Belushi's ceiling has always, Jim Belushi's ceiling has yes. always been. Yeah. Like putting him in SNL was a disservice to him. He couldn't handle that. Right. He wasn't very good. And making him like a leading man. Making him a leading a man who has to like, you know, you know, cross his arms and like yeah. go back to back with someone on a poster. Right. No. He's good as with like a little dog, color on though. the side. K-9. Sure. Right. K-9. The dog crossing its arm. <laughs> Uh, the dog, I guess, has its paw on right. Belushi. In the right. Post. It's just interesting because he's so good in this. Then he largely sucks for the next 10 years with occasional bright spots. Right. And I feel like recently he's moved into a really good zone where it's just yes. like, you know, like him and like show me a hero. Oh, great. Oh, so good in that. James oh watched show me a hero and was like, there's this guy in it. And I'm watching it. And I'm going like, who is this actor they found who looks so much like Jim Belushi? Because he um, couldn't believe that Jim Belushi was giving that good a performance. Um, that's yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, he's actually kind of unrecognizable in showing. He's like fatter, like he, yeah. he like, and he's he looks right. crazy. in the Ghost Rider. He's totally bald. He's got like Daddy Warbucks he's, head. He's not bad in that. He's not bad in that. Yeah, um, he was in that show, The Defenders, with right. um, Jerry right. O'Connell. Right. He's uh, apparently he's in good. Oh, he was in Twin Peaks. He was in Twin Peaks, which he was so good in. Right, like he's a good character actor he played a character called Humpty and Wonder Wheel right he's good at playing that like sucks. like pills yeah assholes sticks in the mud you yeah. know uh fat cats and but, like you yeah. watch him in this he's and you're like this cat. is a totally promising like early performance and then he becomes like the butt of everyone's jokes for a decade right then well, s- like s- sort of flounders for five years and then does like the worst sitcom ever for 28 it, seasons the, where he's married to Courtney Thorne Smith right is right. that about the one right like the the sort of apex of totally unappealing guy has beautiful, incredibly tolerant wife. And it's like one. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're like, you don't think I've never watched a full episode of according to Jim, Uh but I feel like they can't leave the house. Yeah. Like if they open the door, they would just, it would be a void. (laughs) Exactly. They would just just hear screaming. Yeah. He's like, all right, I got to go to work. And he just walks into the next room and then just stands there. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, interesting. Oh, apparently in the show, according to Jim, he's a big fan of the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> Have you seen someone? Di- I think it was like Click Hall, but it was like the top 28 times. I really want to challenge myself in this. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Go ahead. I think it was someone did a listicle that was uh, top 28 times Jim Belushi has performed Sweet Home Chicago. And it's like 28 separate YouTube videos of him performing Sweet Home Chicago at different live events. Because <laughs> oh, it's the other thing. Like, he starts to do Blues Brothers with Aykroyd, and everyone's like, we don't want that. Like, right. stop trying to be John Belushi. Right. Exactly. Be right. Jim Belushi. Right. There's, like, such a clear line where, You're like, absolutely right. That yeah. is, that's the advice. Right. Be Jim Belushi. And right. Thief, this is good. This is Jim. This is Jim. According he, to Jim. According to David, yeah. this is good. Yeah. So they, all right, they thieve. They do thieving. Right, do they some thief, nighttime they thieving. They thief good. They, they right. drill right. into a safe. Yes. 
Uh, we just watched Ant Man, uh huh, which has a lot of safe work. Yeah, and this makes Ant Man look like some you know but this baby is a, garbage. This is, like, this is like no. Here's how you work a fucking safe. No, yeah. I agree. You know, this yeah. is like the time, like the, the at no way- point does anyone shrink to ant size. For example, in this movie, in this, for right. example, in this movie, no, that does not happen. Right, exactly. But like the tradition of like the the brand name of the door. Yes. Oh, you know? well, and, I love that. Where they're like, oh, it's I, a thingy majig, and he's yeah. like, fuck, oh. is a burn job. You know, and like yeah. to me with shady stuff when they like they are like Jack, they talk about it you know what I mean yeah, and they right. like have meetings about it it's a Walensky it. Jack <laughs> oh, I just, we're fucked I, oh, I love it <laughs> they just have bratwurst in their shirt pocket yeah and just the amount of like sparks in this movie oh, so many sparks oh. so many sparks the drill he using has a is... meeting at a fucking scrapyard <laughs> or some shit yeah, yeah he does uh, the drill they're using is a real piece of Thief equipment right. that one of the thieves on set brought right. for thieving. Right. Thief. Thief. Um, so he gets a bunch of diamonds. Mm-hmm. He gives the diamonds to his fence. Joe gags. Oh, this guy. <laughs> this guy. This guy. I mean, talk about- like various ovals sort yeah. of arranged. <laughs> all these guys, the old guy he sees later, mm-hmm. like all these little one scene like expert guys. Right. Are just like so such good color. Uh, he is so good. Who is yeah. Joe Gags? Uh, Hal Frank. Oh, Hal Frank. <laughs> um, he gets murdered off screen. Right. Joe Gags doesn't make it. Right. So Frank uh, James Con has to go to the mob and be like, "Hey, where's my fucking money?" Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that's his move. Right. Um, he does this by going there and pointing a gun at the guy and saying, well, we, pay me now. We should yeah. say where he goes. His office. This is a business that we all know that exists. Please. Plating. <laughs> and she goes, what are you here for? He's like, I gotta talk about some fucking plating. Yeah, I gotta get some plating done my fucking I got some cut. bad plating and I need With to talk a, to somebody a, about it. He told my a, farts, fuck you. A taglia. Who's basically like, I don't know you, fuck you. And he right. points a gun and he's like, I guess I know you now. Okay. <laughs> then the best thing is that he walks out of the office, closes the door behind him, and keeps the gun up just to scare everyone else in the office. To scare the door. Yeah. A bunch of receptionists. Um, so Prosky. Gets referred Leo, to Prosky. Leo. Who's in charge of the outfit, yeah, right? Yeah, he runs the city. He's a fence. Yeah. He sells, sell your, your fancy diamonds, yeah. right? Meets with him. He's, He's got like, aviator glasses. Not even sunglasses. Aviator glasses. So good. Prescription aviator. Oh, also another little thing <laughs> in this first robbery, yeah. you notice him throwing the jewelry and just going for the packs. Yeah. And that's the start of the specificity of how sure, much right. of an expert this guy right. is. God, you love this movie? I love it. Because yeah. well, he's a pro. He's, he's a pro. professional. Right. He's a pro. He's there to get what he's there to get. Yep. He's not going to get distracted by shit. Have you seen <laughs> Triple Frontier yet? No. You kind of like it a lot, right? What a good movie. Because that's a movie about you're there to get what you're there to get. And then you're like, fuck, there's also this. Ah, I want it. You know, what do I do? You know, that. And then how that dooms you. It is crazy that that movie came so close to being made 10 years ago. The first thing post Hurt Locker with Will Smith, Tom Hanks, and Johnny Depp. Would have ruled. Would have ruled. Yeah. But this version's great, too. I mean, Affleck is just what's the, is the magic of that movie. Well, he's owning the sad, right? Have I told you my opinion on it? Like when they offered him the role, he 100% was like, I am insulted, but I will accept. You know what I mean? Like where he reads the part, he's like, you want me for that guy? Yeah. We want you for that guy. Fuck you. All right. Sure. Let's do it. But I'll be good at the it. Same. I mean, it's the same thing as like the Jim Belushi thing. All these things we're talking about where we're like, there's so many actors like that where it's just like, there is some innate quality to them. That can ruin 98% of performances. Yeah. But if you cast them properly, it becomes such an asset to you. 
Like, it's such a similar thing with, like, Affleck in Gone Girl. Okay. Where they announced he was doing that, and I was like, oh, fuck, why is, why is David Fincher making Ben Affleck the lead in his movie? And then you see it, and you're like, that fucking worminess. Yes, right, yes. It's that weird thing, that insincerity to Ben Affleck, where you're like, this guy feels like he's not trying hard enough. Like, his smile, I'm, like, not buying it. And right. in Gone Girl, it's just, like, such a fucking asset, you know? Like, when you watch him as Batman, you're like, this is uncomfortable. If yeah. you put him in Triple Frontier, you're like, well, yeah, the guy's a mess. Exactly. Triple right. Frontier is about a guy who was good and now yeah. can barely flip a house in, right. like, suburban Miami or whatever. Right. He shouldn't be Batman. Right. Like, Batman should have his shit together. Right. I guess he could be Batman who can't flip a house. Right. But, like, I don't know if that's going to open, you know, your movie, like, you know, to 185. He could be a Batman that vapes, though. He could be a Batman well, that vapes, yeah. but it also feels like... Instead, he's a Batman that vapes when they call cut. Right. right. I mean, like, that's sort of the vibe right. of that performance. But it was like, oh, this is like a badass Batman whose face also weighs 45 pounds. <laughs> I mean, man and This Affleck, guy is depressed. Man and Affleck Batman, he's not depressed at all. Get man and Affleck together. Ugh, that, if, if man's mm, going to make another movie... Yeah, about a weasel. Yeah, the weasel. The weasel. 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 Anyway, Prosky's mm-hmm. like... I'll hire you. You make you lots of money. God, and such good dialogue. This scene is so good. It's all it's just good like dialogue. jewel cut, like and I just love all of Khan being like, okay, well, I only do this, and you know, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. Right, and you're gonna pay me that. And prostitute's like, fine. Fine. Yeah, he's not fine. gonna do home stuff. Right. You right, know, right. he's not gonna like uh burglarize uh you know residential. Like he's very specific. So much of like the stylization of his dialogue is taking out filler words i mean a yeah. using all this, this lingo sort of james elroy trick right like, lingo yeah. of like words we all know but you haven't heard them apply in things like this and just like robert Prodsky like pointing at like james Conn saying like you got pressure you know mm-hmm. and you're just like why is that so cool well so uh he meets Pros- that character he meets Prosky, but he's kind of like i'm gonna do one big job for you you get me a big score right Pros- and that'll be that Prosky's like the industry and he's like, look, there are a lot of benefits to working for me. Mental, dental. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because Khan, all the stuff days. he's been stealing. Right. Just can buy up, you a baby. It right. ends up with Prosky. Right. Of course. He knows right. like that it's being well, channeled. Right. So he's the, like, let's he's cut the, the middle anyway. He's like, right, I sell your shit. I'll sign you. Classic 10% agent yeah. commission. Right. Right. Um, but then, and Frank's like, I don't know. Right. You know, I'm not sure about this. Well, because there's the other thing that's gone on, which is when he goes out for lunch, yeah. With the Eggman earlier in the film, yeah. it's at his usual diner yeah. he goes to where Tuesday Weld works the desk. Mm-hmm. And he asks her, like, hey, we're going to go out tonight. Right. Like, they have a, an they ongoing have a thing. thing going on. But it's just a he's thing. He's made the plans with her, and now he's having the Prodsky meeting. Right. So when he leaves the Prodsky meeting, he's been standing around for two hours straight. Right. At a jazz club. Mm-hmm. She's not having it. She doesn't like it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's his club. It is yeah. his club. Now, yeah, I just, still. I wanted to ask something, because I wonder about... If you guys picked up on this, do you know why he has the two businesses that he has? It's where he like cleans his money, yeah, right? The money yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure you're crime boys. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I mean, know like, from you money know, let's not indict us here, but yeah. So he also he he has this big scene with Tuesday. He has this big series of scenes with her, right? Right. Which is sort of his like. Maybe I want to settle down. Maybe you right, know because well, right. he's already gone to see Willie Nelson. At he's this gone point. to see Willie Nelson. They've had a a conversation inches from each other's face through a prison window. And, and Willie Nelson is doing this really, his eyes keep on like darting back and forth. It's Do you notice all that? his eyes. 
They're so good. Yes, yeah. I did. And they're very like they're very black. Right. And at first I was like, is he reading off of cue cards? Maybe. Like it was I mean, so specific what sure. he was doing, but then the rest of the performance, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like it's this very interesting. Whether he was conscious of doing this or not, it's a really interesting way to show someone's uh like vulnerability in a scene where they're trying to act calm. Because his whole thing is being like friendly and light and like I'm doing right. okay, but you can tell the guy's miserable. And he's like having a nervous breakdown. Right. And he's got a terminal illness and he doesn't want to die inside. Yeah. All he wants to do is get out. That's the thing. He knows he's dead. Right. But he if he could only just die like out of prison. But James Conn starts telling him about Tuesday Well, because you get the sense that James right. Conn's got no one else to talk to. Right, right. His right. only friend who he can actually talk to is in prison. So when he goes to see him, he's like, Let me let me tell you about this girl I'm seeing. You well, know? He has no life outside no of life. his profession. He's got no life. But it makes it clear he's saying to Willie Nelson, he's like, I need your advice on this. Do I tell her or not? Right, right, right. Because Willie Nelson asked him about his wife. That's the thing. He goes, how's your marriage going? And he's like, it's done. And he goes, why is it done? And he goes, she was getting you know, suspicious of everything. She didn't figure it out. What did she think he was? She thought he was having an affair. Yeah, that's it. She was like, I could see you were hiding something. She thought I was having an affair, and I thought it was better to just accept that than correct her. Right, right, so he right. lets her get away. And he's got this sense of like, maybe I should start the next relationship on a right foot. Yeah. So he shows up late to this Tuesday Wild thing. She's mad. She's mad. Guys are trying to break them up thinking that he's, he's given he's her the a business. Jerk. Yes. But he, he flashes the piece. He is, he flashes a, a he piece. is being a jerk. He is being a jerk. Sure. It's he's a, a, you know, it's a, this is a different time. Right. Well, yeah, but also, he's just a jerk. He's a yeah. jerk. Like, he's the kind of guy who, like, snaps his fingers at a waiter. You know, like, yeah. he's too much all business. You know the original title of this film. Oh, no, it, it, I do. What the fuck is the it? The Jerk. The original title of this film was Violent Streets. Bad title. I know. Uh, you yeah. know what's a good title? Thief. 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 I'll pinch you. But then this great scene where he's in the car with When her. he says I'll pinch you, he's just going to pinch him. Give him God, a little pinch. pinch is so good. <laughs> it really is. The first time they said it, I was like, ooh, I like it when they say pinch. Ooh. Right. <laughs> and then on? I was so satisfied that they say it 45 more times. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. That it wasn't Man just- was like, oh, you like that, huh? Right. <laughs> Like, his movies establish their own vocabulary. Yeah. They have this, like, street dictionary that they're using. They always do. And, I mean, that's the thing that he really goes all in on in some right. movies where people are like, excuse me, can I? Can someone just tell me what's going on? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's because that's the Miami Vice thing where the first 20 minutes, no one says a word anyone can understand. Yes. It's all like, your OPSEC is blown, you know, right. all and that stuff. And then minute stuff. 21, he says, I'm a fiend for mojitos. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then yeah. we're all like, back on board, baby. Yeah. Um, But I love this scene in the car where he's like, Fuck, am I going to have to do this? Right. Like, I want her to put it together. And he runs down that whole thing. Yeah, that, don't you quote, know who I Look am. at my right, clothes, right. this and that. But it's also cathartic what, what for you, him. Right, right. He's like, I'm a thief. Look, Finally, he, I'm no, saying no. it. He's exactly. being honest with a woman for the first time in his life. <laughs> so then they have the great scene at the diner. And he talks about how he learned to just not care anymore. And how he just became invincible. That great, he's just a man. Great story. Who gives no fucks. That that whole story though, and like, um, that is such a guy thing too. It, it's his of magic. Like your war story. Yeah. Kind of moment, you know. Uh, I loved it. Well, and this is such a cl like classic like acting class monologue, right? Especially for anyone who wants to be like a tough guy or a broken guy, right? Right. And you go like, there are two things. One pitfall is oversell it. You sell it like it is a dramatic monologue, right? right. The other pitfall is you want to make it so offhand that it feels completely unspecific. Yeah, you need to compel people with this, right? You can't and just like, do it like, yeah, I guess I'm a thief or something. He's doing know. this magic trick where it's just like, he's like tossing everything off over his shoulder 
but you actually see in his eyes, like, the experience. You see that he's living through the memory, and he's making enough weird physical choices with his body language, but he keeps on kind of, like, scrunching away and, like, looking over his shoulder and, like, tossing things off. But it's so compelling because you see the vulnerability underneath the story. I am a true blue kind of a guy. Yeah. I've been cool. I've been cool. And he's got that great, like, pretty subtle scar yeah. on his jaw. Right, right, right. Like, that's the man thing. Like, you don't give him, like, a Paul Mooney scar. You give him, like, just a little bit of, like... You know what else he's got, though? What? A vision board. Well, yeah. Uh, this is one of the craziest things in the movie. It's like a weird collage. He has, like, the secret. Right. With, like, Willie Nelson's right. on he's, it. He's, like, sitting in the junkyard. Of he's such a weirdo. His car shop. Where Del Close is one of the uh, mechanics. Really? Yes. Oh. And he's Chicago. Uh, who, by the way, was never on a Herald team. But, um, uh, taught really? the Herald. No, never never on a team. Never on a team. Um, made the teams. Uh, it never was on them. Uh, he, um... Uh, sits down on like I don't know like a fucking milk crate or something opens up his wallet and I was like this is the most man thing in any movie ever it's just a man sitting down on garbage looking at his wallet he just takes out he has 300 credit yeah, cards the most generic brown bifold wallet he's got 27 credit cards on each side <laughs> he has 6,000 in cash right and then he unfolds a fucking vision board collage it's crazy. I mean, See, that this is, is my life right here. It's such a man thing of like these men. Right. I got a picture on my wall of what I want my life to be. Exactly. Where yeah. they're like, I have one feeling. It's this picture. <laughs> I allow myself one feeling. And it is this. It is a dream that I will never achieve. Yeah. Instead, I murder. <laughs> right? It's like always that. Yeah, I got myself a glue stick, some that, crafting scissors, and I made myself my you one feeling. Making a vision it's board. She asks him, she goes, yeah, did yeah. You, What did you do? Cut the yeah. uh, newspapers, whatever. Yeah. I made this collage. It's like a layered like, Willie Nelson. <laughs> a picture of two kids. Willie Nelson as a guy called Okla. Right. His real name. His real name's David. That is my favorite scene. Yeah. Is they want a baby. Yeah. They go to the adoption agency and mm -hmm. James Conn doesn't acquit himself great by being like, I'll take whatever garbage you've got. Well, I'll say this. The Tuesday Weld character is kind of underwritten. And by kind of underwritten, I mean fully underwritten. Sure. I mean, but she brings a lot of everyone's to pretty it. underwritten. Yes. But yes. Yes. But what's interesting is that once he fesses up to her, she's 100 percent in because sure. they're both broken people. 100%. The guy she didn't want to get involved with was the guy who was hiding stuff from yeah, her. Yeah, she thought he was cheating on her or just like, you know, going around town, you know. Or just that he was emotionally unavailable or any of that. But right, the right. second that well, he's like, she, I'll tell you who I am. she was in South America with him. I think she sort of eventually came aware that he was a drug dealer. Sure. I think that she, my understanding, I only saw this once, but my take was that when she sort of explains her backstory, she knew kind of that he was a drug dealer. She was like, what have I got myself into? And then uh -huh. she ended up penniless in Bolivia. Right, right. Fair enough. Right. She she gets it. Right. Um, but but Thief. yes, this idea that like you don't have the scene of them saying like we want to have kids. They they cut all those scenes out, but you see them moving into the nicer house. You see them going to the adoption agency. Mm -hmm. And this idea that like, you know, his new attitude of just like, I don't care anymore. He puts down his prison stint. Uh, as part of his employment history right on his application right right i mean he did work in prison right and they're like we're not going to give you a baby and he's gives the whole speech about how they're from the suburbs and he grew up in the system he did grow up in the system he, he knows what it feels like to be the kid that no he's one wants basically like i'm doing you a service give me the toughest kid you've got i'll right. handle him and they're right. like sir please leave this office he also right. does say a bunch of racial slurs sure yeah 
I mean, which is one of those things where you go like, this is uncomfortable, but also this how is how these shitty people talk. Of course. Yeah. Like when Robert Prosky throws out like three slurs in one sentence, I'm like, right. I don't question that the real guy would do that. Well, also that's when he's in like full tough guy, fuck yeah. you mode. I'm throwing you in jail. You know what I mean? Where he's like, you have crossed me. You brought a piece to his house, which mm-mm. I also, no, I also do that. think no, that no. high level criminals are all very racist. Yes, of course. High, Cause they, they see people as like piles of money and vice. Right. Like, and the other thing is that they're like, they look at everyone as like tribes, right? It's like high level criminals are like, you can't trust them. They're right, our right, allies. Right. Like they stereotype everyone because they view each person as being part of like a different, like manufactured team. But like in man movies, often like the character you like is the guy who's like, I like professionals. Yeah. You know, that's what I like. Right. Right. I mean, the De Niro character. The only thing I believe in is doing your job well. Exactly. Is the like epitome of a Michael Mann character. Right. Right. But of course, so they can't buy a baby. They can't adopt a baby, so they buy a baby. Right. Robert Robert Prosky offers them a baby. And I love his take on the scene where he's like, what am I chopping? Come on, ask me for things. I got babies. I'm your friend. I work with you. I I take care of people. I just had a baby. Right. Don't go around asking other people for things. I can figure it out. And he's really throwing the fatherly vibes. Right. He is, but of course, as he's going to reveal later, that's all just ways for him to get his hooks in you so that if you'd fuck him, he can be like, I'll take your baby back. Right, and he's like, where do you get the that baby baby's from? an escrow. And he's like, mothers who need money. And James Conn's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, hey, don't hold against the kid that the mother's an asshole. Like, you're doing them a favor. You're helping the kid. If the mother's willing to sell their kid, sure. then they shouldn't be raising them. So why not have them go to a house that wants them? Right. And I just love that, that scene in the Chinese restaurant yeah. where they don't have a name for the baby. Yeah. And she says to him, like, well, what about Oakla? Like, you know. And Khan, like, allows himself to smile. Like, where it's like, oh, I never thought of, like, that. Naming him after my friend. nice. Right. I like that. Right. And he's like, actually, his name isn't Oakla. And you're like, no shit, his name isn't Oakla. Yeah, his name's David. David, that's my name. It's a crappy name. Wow. I have a diarrhea name. Uh, his name was a Mr. Diarrhea Pants, actually. That was his given name. But there's also, uh, of the course. The waiter's like, good good name, good name, Mr. Diarrhea Pants. Before this, the cop pulls him over. Yeah. What's his name? Commander Luzio or whatever? He's the guy who's actually a a, a criminal. Right. Uh, in IRL. He's a real He's dirty a, cop. A, a thiefer. Yeah. He makes pig pen look clean. I don't know, Urizi maybe? Pen. Yeah, I don't well, know. I think we're getting a little ahead. So Of what? Well, we, we have to set up that. We're pointing at the clock, Ben. I just wanted to say that we have to set up that he's now on board and he's yes, getting yeah. information. Working he's working for us. He's yeah. like We're getting casing. to the job. We're he's getting casing to the, the job. joint. Yes, he gets a job. He's casing the joint. And he's gotten Willie Nelson out. That's another great scene. Yeah, he gets right. Nelson out. Then, where the lawyer and the judge are negotiating with their fingers. Because then at the same time, yeah, the that's police. So good. The, the that's so good. On their uh, cheeks. Oh, yeah. And I need six grand for Earl Warren. What's this guy so trying good. to do? Pick his nose? And then the guy behind him is like, yo, you get me a mink coat? So that's James Conn's thing. He's like, fucking everyone's asking me for everything all the time. How's everyone in this town know I'm working for you? Right. Right. And he's like, how do you know I was trying to adopt the baby? And he's like, because this person told this person that you said this to them. They saw you there. I love it. It's all connected. And this fucking cop is like, look, I know what's going on. And James Conn says, if you want to pinch me, pinch me. Right. Yeah. Right. That's one of his best lines. Shit or get off the pot. What do you you want to say, Ben, about the job? You were talking. Yeah. No, I I just just said that in the plot. Yes. Yeah. He has already started to begin doing the process of figuring out how he's going to achieve. He's doing reconnaissance. Yeah, he's yeah. doing he reconnaissance. Four alarms. Yeah. And right. then there's a fifth alarm. And I just yeah. love that they they really set that up in such a clear way that you can yes. follow along. 
when right. he's like going through the steps of figuring out how he's going to achieve this. Yeah, That's right. All. Because it's not like an Ocean's Eleven heist. Yes. It's like they're showing you all the things he has to prepare for. The wiring, the 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 the, the schematic of the yeah. lock, and like what like different parts of the lock he has. So to that like when he actually eliminate. gets to the heist, there's like no dialogue for ten minutes because they've already explained all the different stages. So into it, yeah. And it's a burn job. It's a burn job. They need a thermal lance. You know, one of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what do they go to the beach? You know, yeah. there's a lot you of time spent while they're tits. trying to figure out the fit. You see Belushi tits yeah. trying to figure out that fifth alarm, mm-hmm. right? You know, the yeah. Mexico, right, now whatever, whatever the, the passcode nice is. Yeah. Well, they figure out that then, you know, it's like they can kill the wiring, but for the fifth one, it's like this closed, basically like uh closed, like intercom system right. with a passcode. Right. And he bugs them. And I love all that stuff. I love analog. So just all the analog the thing, yeah, Belushi with the, the briefcase and the like, the walkie-talkie oh. and the tape recorder, and it's like right. shallow focus close-ups, mm. and you're just like one Belushi eye, <laughs> and they're like diverting like grounding wires, yeah. and electricity, and it just all looks. I mean, like it it's would the really 80s. Be it was real. all wired, you know. Well, that's like, the other yeah. thing. He he unscrews the phone from his wall at his house, sees the chip, runs the water, tells Tuesday, "Well, we're bugged." And then that's the other thing where he goes into to Prodsky, right? And he's like, this is the bug they wanted me to find. Right. This is the one I wasn't supposed to find. In I the car. It. Yes, right. no, I love it. Right. He knows that, like, it's all, he's part of the whole system now. He's functioning independently. But now he's in this world of everyone shaking hands with everyone it's else. It's so funny that this is his first movie. Because, yeah. right, you could take it as, like, a movie director makes later in their career where they're like, yeah, don't I'm join up yeah. with the big shots because that all they'll do is control you, you know? And also his next movie is like a B-horror film, which is how most directors start before they right. get to make the film in their his own His next interest. movie is easily his most baffling movie. Right. It's the only one where you're like, Michael Mann made right. this? You'll but see it. it. It's, it's one of those crazy. things where so many surprising directors started out in horror because it's like, yeah, sure, they'll it's give cheap. you a budget, right. you get in, you get out. It's weird that he follows Thief with like, here's like a... Nazi monster movie. Yeah, it's some you know Nazi ghosts. <laughs> Watch out, Ian McKellen's there. Hey, fucking pinch you, <laughs> fucking Nazi ghosts. Fucking Nazi ghosts. Yeah, go go get me some. I got first. pressure. Um, trying to think, trying to think of forgetting everything before the job. Yeah, I mean, I think this is pretty much the job. Yeah, they, 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 the they, 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 Nelson gets self. out and he dies. Yeah, that's sad. Right, Okla. It's a pretty great James Conn scene of just, oh, wow, this guy truly does not know how to process emotions. Right, right. Like, he just kind of shuts down. Probably like he shouldn't have a baby. Probably shouldn't have a baby. <laughs> um, They get the money. Mm-hmm. It works. I mean, it all goes fine. Yeah. They get the $4 million in diamonds. Mm-hmm. They, the burning, the sparks, that's all great. And he, like, right. The movie, you feel like this could be the triumph at the end of the film. Right. Like I paused it and I was like, wait, there's 30 minutes left? Sure. The uh when they're breaking the safe, it made me think of the dentist. <laughs> Cause like one Go guy's on. the suction, he's like, yeah. you know, spraying. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And you he's know, the you, hygienist. Yep. And then you have the dentist operating yeah. the the you know precision, and then you have the assistant sort of just helping out. They let you pick cinnamon, bubblegum, or mint. Yep. Uh <laughs> um Remember when that was the exciting thing about going to the dentist? Oh, wait, this is the only place where they got bubblegum toothpaste. I remember that about the doctor. I always hate the I hate the dentist. Fucking dentist. Yeah, that makes no sense though. I mean, that's usually because all Americans, people who grew up in America, yeah, people are fine with dentists. Right, in England, obviously, like dentists have a bad reputation. Yeah. Are we forgetting something from earlier in the episode that was revealed? No, I don't God, know. We, Did it come up? No. 
I'm the last guy you want to fuck with. I'll pinch you. The cops getting out the thermos. I remember that scene. That's mm-hmm. really funny. I'm trying to think. The the scene with the cops in when they take them in and they're all around them and they're like, you've got to pay us. Yeah. That was a little weird. And they just keep on bringing in another guy and they're like, how about this guy? He's real good at punching. <laughs> the punching isn't great. No, but it's the James Gunn. No. And the other thing is the, the gunshots at the end, like the squibs are like. Oh, I kind of love that, though. He loves that. He loves those slightly unreal. They're very unreal. Wounds. Yeah. yeah. And with all the slow motion. I love sort that. Because like, Miami Vice kind of ends that way, too, with the final shot where you hear the bang and then you see the guy's head explode. And then you kind of hear the bang. You know what I mean? Like well, it's that, a good thing you brought it up because we'll never talk about Miami Vice on this podcast. Right. Even though we're doing Michael Mann. Winky, winky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Winky. Um, winky, winky. And he, they do the job. He goes to Leo. Mm-hmm. He's like, where's my money? He's yeah. handed a small envelope. Right. And he's where's like, where's the rest of my money? the great news. <laughs> I'm giving you 10% of a shopping center and I ask it. No, he's literally like, he's like, I've, I know, I've set up an S Corp for yeah, you. He starts talking about S Corps. I'm yeah. like, has this guy got an illegal Zoom or yeah. something? <laughs> Jesus. Um, and Leo's, just, I mean, Frank's just got that whole thing where he's like, I can see your money is in my, my money's in your pocket, which yeah. is the yield of my labor. Yeah. My and, sweat. Right. And Leo's like, join a union. <laughs> it's rude. Right. I want my end. Um, and Frank. He wants his end. Reacts. And, and it, you know, what's interesting is, uh, end has two meanings here. Uh, his back end of their financial agreement, but also he wants an end to his career as a thief. Thief. You're looking at me. I wanted you to say thief too. Protsky leaves it as, you know, how dare you bring a piece into my house? Yeah. Well, I mean, gun. I mean, gun. I keep saying gun. Yeah. Con. Con. Frank. Yeah. He maybe could not react to every like speed bump in life by pulling out a gun and pointing it at someone's head. I hear that. But he goes home to Tuesday Weld and he's like, solver. He is a problem solver. He's like, pack it up, get out of here. Here's the plan. Fuck you. Twenty the first month, twenty five the second month, thirty the third month. He's a little upset that while she was sleeping, he woke her up in the middle of the night and told her, uh, you're I not will, my wife. I anymore. will never see you again. Take the baby and leave." Right, and she's like, "I love you. I'm in with you on this." Right, and he's like, "I understand that, and that's why this much money is going to be delivered to right. you, and I will never see you again. Now get out of here. I'm going to blow the house." <laughs> and she has the great line where she's like. This isn't some erector set where you can like take apart the pieces and put right. it back in a box. Right. Well, that's a great line. That's he how says, Michael but Mann, I'm setting Mann some C4. Yeah, right. right. Yes, exactly. No, but that's it. Right. You know, the heat's around the corner. Right. So then Not he to... explodes every place he's ever been to. <laughs> and they, they um, his home, accidentally. His businesses, his high school, his <laughs> yeah, what if he's local like, pharmacy. Yeah, I'm blowing up my dry cleaner. They know too much. <laughs> <laughs> they know I wear slacks. <laughs> expensive slacks yeah my silk shirts um I, one of these explosions they did not intend to blow up the building but they damaged the building so hard that the building had to be demolished it was really the house. yeah yeah they, they like built like a false front that they yeah. were gonna blow up but yeah. they blew it <laughs> wow wow Which and is, the punching on that explosion in particular yeah. those are some good explosions yeah i mean they really blew right. those things up has has belush already died at this point yeah they shoot right. him with a shotgun right he goes they're they're setting him up they're He's holding kind of belush in the yeah. back of the car shop uh and then and then belush dies quite a death it's brutal right 
That's when he goes into overdrive mode. That's yeah. when he goes and into the after feed, That's when it's right, like over. Right, right. They feed his body to some something. They put him in a tank. Yeah. And they talk about how do you want to end up a, someone's burger? Right. And it, I just really like that. I think it's that. a deep prior, right? Yeah, he says you're going to be fed to people in wimpies like the next day. Like, right. Leo suddenly just unleashes a monologue that's like insane. Yeah, we have a new special menu item. Belushi nuggets. <laughs> Um, fried balouche sandwich it's a pickle slice of tomato two leaves of lettuce and a hunk of fried balouche I mean, between two brioche buns he is full of bologna he's full of bologna no you gotta put it on like whack or whatever right like you know you gotta put him on like a, a good American bun <laughs> it's a submarine yeah put him on a kaiser roll yeah um, <laughs> potato roll yeah yeah. Uh, and then Frank goes to Leo's house and I remember the first time I saw this movie which is years ago um, you were four or five right yeah exactly I this was your fifth it. birthday party <laughs> daddy I want to watch Thief <laughs> imagine showing this movie to a child I, I'll tell this I mean this guy seems stressed out <laughs> my brother James's uh, what would have been ninth or tenth birthday party was uh, uh, watching Ali with his friends. You've, you've mentioned that, right? Because he loved boxing so much. He yeah. loved Ali so much. Right. So, so my brother James's birthday was uh, James watching Ali for the fifth time and a bunch of kids on their Game Boys. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and he was just like, oh my God, Marvin Peoples was so good in this. <laughs> and the kids um, were just like, I, I want like fucking Gushers. What is this party? <laughs> he didn't even have Gushers? He didn't even have Gushers. No, he blew it. Maybe a pizza I pie. a Gusher. Um, no, I just thought at the end, the first time I was, I was like, okay, Frank's going to die. You know, yeah. this is it. This is his blaze of glory. Right. You know, maybe he'll get through Farina. Right. But he's not getting through everyone. Right. But he gets through everyone. He gets through everyone. He shoots them all dead. I find And that- then he puts his gun away and he's like, what a he, day. He shoots them all the way to death. <laughs> all he the does. way dead. Yeah. I find, I guess it's justifiable that the cops are protecting the house. Mm-hmm. But I just find it really weird that all the mobsters, like the, the mobsters are, like hanging out and like asking if the other one wants milk. Yeah. That was weird. Right. It's very weird. Yeah. Uh, Farina's got a big coat on. Yep. His yeah. coat is so broad he almost looks like David Byrne and stop making sense. Like he's got this big black boxy coat. He's a boxy boy. Uh, it's filled with squibs. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he dies all the way dead. Mm-hmm. And then James Conn just kind of walks off with his hands in his pockets. Yes, that's what I love. Yeah. Where it's like, I feel like 95% of these movies would end with him dying. I mean, cl- right. obviously the classic Hollywood movies would because like crime has to pay. Right. And, you know, and you'd be like, well, you know, he won some and he lost some and that was how he it goes. He settled his right. score, but he didn't make it out alive. But in this, yeah. like, it's so much better because he's just sort of cursed with like, what are you going to do now? What are you buddy? doing now? You murdered like 10 people in one night. Like, yeah. You were not nice to your Told wife. Told your wife and your son you're never going to see them You again. lost one baby. Yeah. Um, Could you imagine what a, be a field thief somewhere day else? the the woman at the adoption agency would have with this movie? Be like, yeah, well, you know, thank you. You're right, right. Do you remember that guy last week was so mean, was so uppity? Like I he was judgmental. I was from the suburbs. Wait till you hear this guy leaves the kid, murders like ten people, <laughs> and he burnt out like half the city. Yeah, and he blew up everywhere. He blew this place and up because he, made me he came look here like once. a snob. He tried <laughs> to make it sound like I was a snob. Oh boy, Frank. Frank. What a movie. Frank Thief. What a good movie. Frank G. Thief. What not that a good movie, It's a ben? good movie. It was an outstanding movie. Ben I'm so, movie. so happy uh, I got to experience it. You know what's the most annoying thing about this movie? What? It was nominated for a Razzie. For what? This is going to hurt you. You're going to be upset. Worst score? Worst score. Yeah. 
That's just rude. That was voted at a time where now this music again is like so in vogue. Like it feels. I know. I guess back then people were like, oh, like corny, like electronic music. People weren't super into the Tangerine Dream scores. Because there was even like there was shit like Legend where like they took it away from Ridley Scott and had Tangerine Dream record it and everyone always oh Oh, I mean I love the you know the what's it Sorcerer that's yeah that's an incredible score Um, Um, I love those scores were you able to find a box office for this movie not really interesting Um, box office Mojo's data only goes back to 1982 the year before this year okay Uh, the numbers I forgot that Near Dark was Tangerine Dream too yeah yeah oh sure. Uh, and the numbers has box office data, but it's like incomplete. Ooh. And so like you can't, but I'm going to give you, well, first let's do 1981's top five movies. Okay. I was going to suggest that. Yes. Yeah. Let's do that. I'll tell you what was number one the week this came out. It was um, Omen 3, The Final Conflict. Okay. Uh, the one with Sam Neill, where he's like running for president. Oh, maybe? when he's grown up Damien. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, That's the fifth highest grossing film at 81? No, that was number one oh, when this came, came out. That okay. movie made a cool 20 mil. Oh. Thief made, let's actually, $11 million at the box office. Which better adjust, than I thought. Yeah, yeah, adjusted for inflation is 37. Yeah. You know, not hurting anyone. No. And Jerry Bruckheimer produced it. That was the other thing I was very surprised Young Bruck. As I'm yawning. Um, and what I'm else was I going to say? Uh, yeah, it came out. You know, the postman always rings twice had just come out. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Bob Raffleson. Yeah. Um, and we've also got something called Eyes of a Stranger. Mm-hmm. Don't know that. All right. So the number one movie of 1981. Made $212 million in, in 1981. In 81. So adjusted, that is $700 million. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Correct. Steven Spielberg's Raiders of the Lost. A lot Park. of money. That's a lot of money for a movie oh, to make. Pretty good movie. Pretty good movie. The best one. Uh, I love Last Crusade. <sighs> I haven't seen that one in a long time. I guess maybe we should do those for our franchise. Yeah, I was- like I like that one because it's kind of like a Buster Keaton movie. It's a Buster. It's a Buster. It's very hijinks. It is. It is. I but, love but, all. Uh, the but I think it's well uh, orchestrated physical comedy. Anyway, so that thing just made more than anyone ever dared make uh-huh. know, right I mean that's just beyond all measure. Was, was it number one of all time at that point did it topple Star Wars or was it like number no two? there's no it didn't come close to toppling Star Wars let's find out though all time domestic Star Wars has had a, already had a couple re-releases at this I know point but too. Star Wars you know the thing about Star Wars is that it made let's let's yeah it made 307 wow in 77 wow 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 which is adjusted is 1.2 billion domestic. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's nothing like Star Wars. No, there's nothing like Star Wars. All right. Number two, though, because this is where it gets interesting, okay. is not a franchise movie. What was the final gross? $119 million. It's okay, so a big gap. Almost $100 million less. Right. But still, I mean, a, yeah, a, a colossal hit. It's not a franchise movie. No. Pointedly. But, you know, it is a family movie. It's a family movie. It's got a family members in it. It's got family member. It's got real family members. Yes. Is it on Golden Pond? Oh, yes, it is. What Mark Rydell's On Golden Pond, the most boring movie ever made. What a massive hit! Uh, which won a shit ton of Oscars. Yeah, uh, at least three, I think. Right. It was yeah, the only year where the Actor, Oscars gave out an award for a best movie ever. <laughs> Actor, they actress, and screenplay. Yeah. 
Henry Fonda, Catherine Hepburn. You got Jane Fonda. The old fart. Uh, I mean, I've never seen it. Isn't it just like a bunch of people yeah, at like so a lake I house? Have no <laughs> compulsion to watch that film. On Golden Pond. We'll, we'll do a Mike Rydell series eventually. What else did he make? What he make? Uh, I don't know. Maybe like Neil Simon. He made Neil Simon. He, he made the Rose. He made the Rose. He made Four the Boys. Yeah. Uh, he, he made the River with uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah. You know, uh, the fox. He's very good in um, uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Not Long oh. Kiss Goodnight. I'm sorry. Uh, Long Goodbye. Oh, yeah. He's very good in that as like a mobster. Mahdi. Yeah. All right. As an actor. Number three is a sequel. Number three is a sequel. It made 108. Uh, is it a Star Trek? No. Interesting. It made 108 and it was a sequel. That's right. There aren't a ton of sequels at this point in time. No. You know what else it is? Well, I would give it away. Fuck. I would give it away. I would give it away? Give it away, give it away, give it away. It's the kind of movie they make all the time now. Oh, uh, was Back it then, still a novelty. Superman 2? Superman 2. Superman 2. Dick Lester. Richard Lester. A Lester picture. of A Hard Day's Night. And the director of Superman 2. <laughs> and the director of Superman 2, which yeah. is okay. I like Superman 2 a lot. You know, it's got Zod. I like it a lot. Uh, it's silly. Yeah. Superman 2 is pretty good. It's It's got uh, Superman and Lois Lane fucking. They do. They do. Uh, uh, that's the one where he... No, the first one's the one where he flies backwards correct. and resets. Yeah, that's okay. the first one. Number four. Second one, he fights the evil version of himself, right? There's like No, the, that's the third one. Fuck, I get him all. That's right, Kryptonite. Right. Um, the second one's odd. Right. Neil. Right. Third one's a comedy. Number I'm three. kneeling for the listeners. I'm sorry, number, number, four, number four is a comedy. Number four is a comedy? Big comedy. Big comedy? Stir crazy? No. Uh, one star. How do you describe this movie? Uh, it's know. an epic. It's is an it? epic? No. Or like a... Am I looking is it a period comedy? Oh, I'm looking at the wrong one. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 okay. This four. is a fucking movie that I love. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't know you loved this movie. This is like... I mean, it makes sense. This is a real Ben character-driven movie. Interesting. It's one comedy star? Yeah, one star. One star. One. And I guess this is his big... Movie star break. I mean, he's a big deal in, uh, especially in his home country. In his home country? But uh, I feel like this is the beginning of him as a movie star. In his home no, country? No, I take it back. It's not. I take it back. In his home country? Is it an English-speaking country? It is an English-speaking country. Is he from England? He's from London. Is this Dudley Moore? Yes. Is it Arthur? It's Arthur. So what, 10 had come before 10 this? is in 79. I forgot yeah. about that. For some reason, I thought 10 was after. I, I mean, he'd done the movies with Peter Cook like he'd done Bedazzled. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no, right. Tuesday Weld was this. married to Dudley Moore. Oh, really? Is that right? And they said, what do you think of Dudley Moore? And she went, he's an asshole. <laughs> Dudley Moore had four wives. Yeah. One yeah. of them was Tuesday Well. Yeah, you're right. 75 to 80. So they just, they were on the rocks at this point. Dudley Moore was kind of the... Okay, reference to Arthur, yeah, no, too. we got it. We got it. We got it. Uh, wow, you didn't like that. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, you didn't like that? I, not at all. Okay. Dudley Moore was kind of the Pete Davidson of his time. You mean where like everyone's like, how does this guy keep landing these yeah. ladies? Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And especially like Dudley Moore was like shorter than me. <laughs> he was a short man. He was a short man with a bulbous nose. But you know, everything about, um, you know, um, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore is always like that Dudley Moore was kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever, mate. Right. You know, and Peter Cook's like, fuck you. Right. I'm seething with rage. It's very weird that he just became like a total leading man in the 80s. Right. Um, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Dudley Moore, Arthur. That's T number four. He's drunk. 
Yeah, a big inspiration for me. What was the that epic you were talking about, Ben? Uh, Number five? Number seven? Six. Six. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. The Cannonball Run. Oh, <laughs> big epic. It is all kinds of giant Okay, giving. number five. What's number five? It's a comedy. Uh, it's with a star you love. A star I love? One star? It has. I mean, it's got other guys. Is it Stripes? <sighs> wow. I was going to say it has the best opening. Yeah, I mean, it's the classic Freaks we, and Geeks You and I thing. always Freaks talk about The first half. No one can tell you what right. happens in the second half of Stripes. Uh, that movie essentially ends after, and that's the facts, Jack. You know, when he does, when they do their test. Then when it becomes about the, the SUV. Right? Yeah, no, yeah. the uh, the armored vehicle. Right, yeah. right. Then it's just like, what is this movie? Um, yeah. Is that a Ramus? No, it's a Reitman. It's right. a Reitman. Yeah, right, right. That was the big thing was uh, Reitman had sold it as Cheech and Chong go to the army. Right, 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 right. He was trying to direct more. Uh, it was sold as a Cheech and Chong movie. Then Cheech and Chong dropped out. Right. He had it set up and he was like, could I rewrite it as a Bill Murray movie? Bill Murray was like, I don't want to do it. And he was like, what if I cast the other guy as Harold Ramis? Knowing that Bill Murray loved Harold Ramis at that point in time. And he was like, Harold will rewrite it for you and Harold will be the other guy and you'll have fun because you'll play with Harold. Right, 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 right. So it was like Harold Ramis became a movie star. biggest hit of the year. Because that was how they could get Bill Murray to agree. Wow. Mm -hmm. But some other big movies, Cannibal Run, Mm -hmm. Chariots of Fire, Mm -hmm. uh, the best picture winner, Um, For Your Eyes Only, Mm -hmm. with the Bond movie, Mm -hmm. Um, The Four Seasons. Uh, that's Alan Alda? Alan Alda picture. What is that? Alan Alda directed like eight movies. It's about a hotel or something. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like California Suite. Another yeah, maybe, Alan Alda. Maybe, yeah. Maybe uh, it's not about it. Maybe it's about, it's a romance or something. Who is it? Him and Carol Burnett? Him and Carol Burnett. You know what? What? They're an upper middle class married couple in New York City. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Knock me over with a feather. Wait, an Alda? <laughs> uh, uh, and they take some vacations. It's set during four vacations. Oh, wow. Four seasons. So you got Len Carew, Rita Moreno, Sandy Dennis. Could you imagine how hard they would drag that movie today? Alan Alda's kids play his kids? Alan Alda was like, uh, so I'm making a movie about white people going on vacations. I cut out all the things in between the vacations. I gotta see this thing. It's just four vacations with none of the filler of them having responsibilities in life. This thing was nominated for four Golden Globes. My Alda impression's really bad. Um, Another one that a lot of people do. I know. Or that at least is, you know, he's he's got an an imitable voice, right? But I found a new keeper today. What was that? Willie Nelson. (laughs) Yeah, your Nelson's great. Um, What was the thing I was going to say about Alda? SAG Magazine. I don't want to brag, but... uh, uh, SAG Mag? SAG Mag. Is this a SAG Mag brag? (laughs) Yeah. uh, The Screen Actors Guild Magazine. (laughs) Did you do that, Ben? Yes. Okay. uh, The Screen Actors Guild Magazine, which is uh, one of the best magazines to uh, line the bottom of your pet carrier with. (laughs) Sure. Um, I, I just have this one issue in my apartment that I haven't thrown out for some reason that's uh-huh. just sitting on my table. That's a cover story on Alan Alda because I guess he won the Lifetime Achievement Award. Sure, sure, sure. And the headline is Alda Way. Alda Way. <laughs> and every you. time I'm like cleaning up my apartment, I'm like, I, I just can't do yeah, it. I can't can throw it out. How do you get rid of that? Alda Way. Well, that was the ninth highest grosser of yeah. this He's year. He's a big star. Over like Time Bandits, over Reds, yeah. over the Fox and the Hound, over Excalibur, over the Great Muppet Caper. <sighs> you know, there are some big movies here. You know, there was like Over a th- Halloween 2, Escape a, from New York. There was a thing where they like uh, uh, quiz children and more children recognized Alan Alda than they did Jesus Christ. I swear to God, this was like a real thing that happened in the 80s. He was so big, Alda. It was the biggest TV show, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He and went now all the he, way. 
Now he's like a guy who can play like the manager of the insurance agency who tells a guy to do one thing and then isn't in the movie again. Right. And somehow is through build. Right. You know, uh, Alan Alda's like uh, books all have amazing titles. He's written a bunch of like, just like stories for me in show business books. Never have your dog stuffed. Right. One of them's called, I shouldn't even be doing this. Right. Or no, that's Bob Newhart's book. (laughs) Things I overheard while talking to myself. That's it. And uh, the new one, if I understood you, would I have this look on my face? Yeah. All lightly amusing titles. Just very oh lightly We gotta do amusing. an Alda series. He made four Alda movies. Series. Alda's going in March Madness next year. Yeah, we're putting them in. He only made four? Only four. Uh, Joe Tinian? What was that thing called? The politician? The, the seduction of Joe Tinian. He only wrote he that. He only wrote that. Okay. Uh, that's a Schatzberg movie. Okay. And then Sweet Liberty. Uh-huh. With uh, Michael Caine, Michelle Pfeiffer, Bob Hoskins. Sounds good. Huge star, Alan Alda. Uh, and then uh, A New Life. Yeah. With um, Anne Margaret. Yeah. Okay, sure. Uh, and I guess, oh, and the last one was called Betsy's Wedding. Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy, Madeline Kahn, Joe Pesci, Anthony LaPaglia, Catherine O'Hara, Burt Young, Joey Bishop. You know, you know what's interesting? Oh, we just ran out of time on the clock. Wait, but it doesn't like the Joey Bishops in this movie? Clearly, it's furious. Uh, Alan Alda is like if Chris Pratt uh, left Parks and Rec and became a major A-list movie star through doing mild middle-aged relationship yes. comedies. That was, a, that was a niche. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, Betsy's <laughs> Wedding was inspired by the marriage of Alda's daughter. Alda. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Uh, so I want to uh, just tell you... Uh, this is good Michael Mann content, right? Yeah, no, I'm going to bring it back around. Right. Okay? And I think this has been a gentleman's start to cast of the Podhicans. Right. A, uh, a, a, a colon Michael Mansplaining. Yeah. Um, James Conn is on Twitter. I did not realize this. He seemed like someone who would not be on Twitter, okay? Certainly. So then I looked at his account. He has 8,000 followers. He's verified. It's him. Right. I go, how's James Khan on Twitter, less than 10,000 followers? And like all his tweets were in like the last couple of weeks. Oh, so Jesus. I was like, did he just join? No, he's been on since 2013. He just takes years long gaps in between tweets. Can I read you his first couple tweets? Can I tell you something? What? It's his birthday today. Today's his birthday? Happy birthday, James Khan. I just went to his page and the balloons floated up. <laughs> you know how they do that on their yes. birthday? On the day we're recording, it is James Conn's birthday. Oh, no. I just want to read his earliest tweets, okay? Yeah. August 15th, 2013. There's nothing more boring than an actor talking about acting. Period. End of tweet. Period. Next. Wait, he wrote those things uh-huh. out? Right, okay. Next tweet. A month later, September 17th. Don't run after a bus. There'll be another. And don't ever eat fried food. Thank you, colon, Mel Brooks. Not colon, comma. Thank you, Mel Brooks. Okay. Period. End of tweet. Right. Period. Right. He likes this this end of tweet uh, sort of format. Watch hashtag back in the game tonight at 830 on ABC. I forgot. I think I reviewed that show. That was a sitcom. It's where he's like an old baseball coach who like manages a little league team or Correct. something. Right. Yeah. It was like someone has to like, yeah, whatever. He, he used to, you know, used to coach the big, right. big leagues or whatever. Now he's like with his daughter. But this tweet is, watch hashtag back in the game tonight at 8.30 on ABC. It's very funny and I need the money. End of tweet. <laughs> Jimmy! <laughs> New, next tweet, September 4th, or October 4th. On my lunch break on hashtag back in the game, while cutting a sandwich, my knife struck something hard. Dot, dot, dot. It was my thumb. Period. End of tweet. Period. Oh is James Conn the best at Twitter? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. 
I'm now I'm looking. Did you see uh, 11th November 2013? Go to that one. Uh, it's just a couple up. ABC has decided to can us. I will speak to you from somewhere else down the line. End of show. End of tweet. <laughs> has anyone used Twitter better than this? This is amazing. Then almost a year later, August year 27th. Later. Hi, I think I'm still here. End of tweet. Jesus Christ. Then he doesn't post for another three years. February 2017, my youngest son, Rich Homie Con, senior season, end of tweet. He's posting just a highlight reel of his son. Then he retweets his own post. Rich Homie Con. Then he retweets other people posting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then doesn't post for another two years. Right. Until this, until February. This Hi, end of tweet, period. March 6th, rainy day in LA mood, end of tweet. And it's just a photo of James Conn looking handsome at a young age. And now he's posting a lot of pictures. Like now he's going down memory lane. He's posting an Al Hirschfeld that he's in. Some uh, rollerball. Posting him with Hugh Hefner. gif. Uh, Brian song, hashtag Brian song. What would be your first thought if you showed up to a wedding and saw me standing up there officiating the ceremony? Hashtag, that's my boy. Just a production photo yep. from Adam Sandler's That's My Boy. Fingers tired. End of tweet for today. For today. So yes, uh, James Conn is the best at Twitter. Anyone's ever been at Twitter. He posted a picture from Thief saying, Willie, my dear friend. That's pretty sweet. Wow. Uh, and these are all, now we're just reading things he's posted in the last three weeks. I know, now he's one, active. One with Pacino and De Niro. Now he's tweeting up a storm. He's retweeting uh, people's birthday wishes. There's a gif of him getting ready to beat the shit out of uh, Talia Shire's husband in The Godfather <laughs> where he like throws the stick at him. He literally has posted like 40, posted or retweeted 40 different things in the last hour. I know. It lasts four hours. Wait, really? Oh yeah, yeah he's just gone wild. He's gone wild in the last four hours. Yeah, he really has. Well, it's because it's his birthday. He's responding to like every birthday tweet. Right. Okay. So here's tweet at him. Well, no, here's what I'm gonna say. When this episode comes out, I'm gonna tweet at him. I'm gonna wish him a happy birthday. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart. But when this episode comes out, I want all the blankies to tweet at James Khan telling him to signal boost our episode. Sure. Because he seems to be Quick with the He's retweet. He's happy to signal boost. I mean, I got to be honest. He has less followers than the Blank Check podcast account. I mean, Andrew could maybe punch up his account <laughs> a little bit. I mean, no offense to him. I'm just saying. He like, could use an Ange. He could use an Ange. Yeah. Hey, and on, and on that note, thank you all for listening. Oh, could we share final thoughts? Final thoughts of rules. He's so fucking good. Yeah, movie fucks. Uh, con runs the jewels. Con runs the jewels. Oh, well, that's why I wanted to that's share final thoughts. Con runs the jewels. Ah. And he's, he's punching David. The craziest thing is, this might be one of my least favorite Michael Mann movies. Yeah. That's the thing that's insane. That's why I wanted to do this guy. Yeah, you love this guy. I love this guy. You love this guy. Yep. Con runs the jewels. Yeah, don't <laughs> pinch me. Uh, thanks to Andrew for her social media. James Con, you should hire her. Thanks to Lee Montgomery for a theme song. Joe Bone, Pat Reynolds for artwork. Go to blankiesdiary.com for some real nerdy shit. Go to TeePublic for some real nerdy shirts. Remember to subscribe to Blank Check special features on Patreon. Oh, yeah. And it always. And it always. And it always. And it always goes. And it always goes with me saying, and as always. Right. I'm Willie Nelson. Thieving your jewels. <laughs> Don't want to die in prison. <laughs> also don't want to pay my taxes.